Welcome to live episode of Murray Python Radio. Uh, we didn't get to record one over the past week since we were herping and whatnot, Owen, and uh, we were, we yeah, were busy. So, <laughs> yeah, we're doing things. Uh, Rob, Rob Stone and his family were out to my place, and uh, yeah, we're entertaining them, showing them the uh, East Coast ways of ticks and humidity and <laughs> all those things that uh, don't seem to bother us but bother uh, uh dude West Coast the ticks people. ticks bothered me the ticks bothered me this time there were there were a, a lot, lot right? of there were a lot of ticks and yeah. um <laughs> you know it was it was going to be a bad day all around then you nearly killed him with a car so it was it was oh yeah i forgot about yeah. that oh, yeah yeah almost, almost took out bob rock almost killed yeah. bob rock with a car um but it was still fun as much as, you know, I'm sitting at my house at like 1230 at night and I find a tick crawling in my knee after I've taken a shower and all that stuff. It was like, oh, God, no. So as much fun as everything was or disgusting as that was, it was still a win. So, yeah. So uh, so we figured we'd do it live. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, our friend down here, Alan Stevens, Alan. fellow yeah. uh, podcaster on the <laughs> NPR network. Uh from the uh, Monitor Keeping Podcast. Um, we've been wanting to talk to him for a while, and uh, yeah, I figured uh, we'd make it work. We roped so. him in by making him officially a part of the network. <laughs> yeah. And then in the he fine print no- of his contract, it said he had to come on NPR. <laughs> he had to come on. And yeah, at that point, he was done, and mm. his lawyers have been fighting it for at least a week and a half, but now we've right. got him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it wasn't worth it. So, so, uh, so welcome, uh, Alan Stevens, uh, from Origin thank you, thank Reptiles. You. Yeah, glad to have you, man. Um, yeah, thank you been? guys. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been hot here, to be honest. The West Coast, we've been getting a little, <laughs> little pummeled with the heat, and it's only June. So, I'm sorry, it's, it's July now. It's that's, July now. Yeah. That's about my reality. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm either ahead or behind, and, you know, time is, Time is relative <laughs> to whatever, <laughs> yeah, right. whatever else I have going on at that time. Um, but yeah, no, things are good. Just keeping up with the heat. Um, had to had to invest in a big portable swamp cooler, basically, to um, to keep the temperatures down in mm. the warehouse. So uh, I walked in the other day and the incubator was at 92. So I was freaking out a little bit. So. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that didn't do too much damage. We'll see how uh, see how uh, <clears throat> durable those monitor eggs are. <laughs> I didn't. I never thought that you'd have to like pump cold air into the incubator. I thought that was like the reverse of what you wanted. But Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it got a little scary. So uh, everything basically works. The whole room is set up now to make sure that incubator stays cool, and mm. everything else is just going to have to deal with it. Uh, and over the next couple of weeks, I will change in a few things here and there. But yeah, the, uh, the focus is definitely on keeping those eggs at the right temperature. So hopefully I didn't screw it up too bad, but I don't think they were up there for very long. Yeah, but it takes how long for monitor eggs to hatch? So you might not know until like what, 90, 180 days from now or something like that? I don't. True. Now, now as a, as a reference, once upon a time, I had um, some eggs get up to 113 degrees. Uh, wow. Yeah. So. They were Indonesian dwarf monitors. They didn't make it, but mm-hmm. there were also Aki's in there, and they came out <clears> just fine. So um, that kind of surprised me. So they, wow. they can handle some high heat, and they, they may have been there for 12 
hours or so at the longest. It might have been a lot shorter than that. But um, between the time I was in the warehouse to the time I was in the, the warehouse again, it would have been 12 hours. So I don't know how much of that time they were up there. But 13 of the, uh, the Indonesian eggs didn't make it. The Ackies, you couldn't even tell the difference. So. Nothing wrong with them at all. Right. right. Jeez. Well, that I want to test that further. Yeah, let that, this is <laughs> these are experiments. I don't think I really want to play with. It's like, well, right. all right, 114. Up oh, there they go. Now they're dead. Yeah, like, right. yeah. No, it's no. Well, let's wait on that one. But anyway, so because this is your first trip to NPR, uh, we have to ask you the uh, traditional questions in both beginning and end. Uh, first one being, how did you get into reptiles? Man. Uh... It seems like I get new memory as I'm as I'm doing things, as I'm seeing things and teaching my kids, new memories keep popping in my head about what I was doing. So it's actually kind of hard to to pinpoint it now. I I thought I had it. I thought I had a good grasp of when it began. <laughs> but I remember catching, you know, garter snakes in the backyard um, and seeing that was the snake part. Seeing my first lizard at a uh, at like a youth camp that someone had actually caught. Mm. And I didn't pay attention to it before, but I asked to hold it and it was like one of the camp leaders and he told me no. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to go catch my own. Then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that might have also influenced me a bit. And then there was a um, between those couple things. And at the same time, there was this uh, old pet store, Roy's Country Pet Jamboree. You know, that's a great the, name for a store. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I would I would ride my bike over there. It was like a, uh, a system of things. There was a the ice cream store, the blockbuster that had the little video game system, mm-hmm. you know, where you could play the games, the pet store. And uh, we would, me and my buddy would ride our bikes over there and go check out the pet store, do our little circuit, you know. And um, uh, I think it was, I think it was always there. It's just, I needed to see those things, have those experiences. And then it kind of all fell into place. And uh, I think... My first, I, I snuck a few garter snakes in mm-hmm. during that time. Uh, I remember one specifically with this monster garter snake, uh, biggest one I'd found in the backyard. So I picked it up and I'm handling it. And I, uh, I, I put it in this little makeshift box where I thought I was going to be super secret, you know, and keep it mm-hmm. away from my parents. And um, <clears throat> I took it out the next day and I, di- I didn't know what these things ate. I didn't know what their habits were at all. And I'm holding it, and it throws up slugs all over me. I didn't know what they were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I go running to tell my parents, you know, that, you know, these things are all over my hands. Like, where, where did you get them? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They <laughs> just happened. They materialized. Right. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah, the perfect excuse. They'll believe me. I, I know. Of course. Of course. <laughs> they always do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so they, they started, you know, kind of understanding that I had this, my dad is deathly afraid of snakes still to this day. He won't really come over to the warehouse and check out too much. Uh, he kind of peeps in the, the roll up door and then he, you know, sprints back to his truck when he has to leave, he can only take so much just looking at him. Um, but it's, it's pretty funny, but, um, yeah, he finally softened up to me keeping, um, some reptiles and, I mean, it started with the knolls and then went to the green iguana and then things I was catching. And mm-hmm. eventually I got to uh, keeping, you know, snakes that I could uh, find around the area, king snakes and gopher snakes and those type of things. Cool. So I think that's about the start. All right. So what was the first monitor that kind of 
dragged you into the full like what was the the one oh, key man. monitor that made it a little crazy that when it started the collections it would had to be Aki's actually Aki's uh, okay red Aki's yeah that was <clears throat> gosh that was late late 90s i think i was still in high school when i got my first Aki's so uh late 90s and wow. um, <clears throat> yeah they were still you know a, a good penny back then and uh, mm. i was working at my folks restaurant and um, you know, as, as a waiter making tip money and getting paid in cash, we, I don't know what the statutes of limitations are on that. I don't want to get my, that's fine. You're good. Yeah. Plus you're their kid. That's what slave right. labor is. Child Cal- slave labor is fine. Yeah. yeah no. California labor laws due to the, uh, the, yeah. the fields uh-huh. and whatnot. Um, yeah. so, uh, that was where my money was going to early on. And, um, yeah, so that was my first experience was uh, Aki's. And I think, I mean, I did all the research I could at the time. There was a Reptiles magazine. Mm. And I want to say the write-up was by Python Pete, if I'm not mistaken, about the uh, uh-huh. keeping Aki's. And, uh, uh, man, that was that was my Bible at that time. You couldn't <laughs> find me too far away from that magazine. So, uh, yeah, that's what kicked it off for me. Cool. And uh, was there like a major python or a boa that kind of tripped that for the snake things? Like above colubrids and garters, was there just one of those, or are you still sticking with colubrids? Well, um, there there was a place out near me, uh, not too far away, in a little area called Lodi, mm. and there was a guy out there. He had the uh, uh, shop called the Serpentary, and um, his name was Bill and man, he was just so far ahead of his time with some things and as a keeper. And not only was it his shop, but it was, it was like this big warehouse area where he had built a loft all the way around the edge, uh, all the way around the inside perimeter of the thing. Um, but he, this was also um, in the nineties that I started, mm. I think I started going there when I was 11. Um, and my mom would just drop me off for a few hours and come back and pick me up. Um but it was it was cool. He had um, basically an incubation slash um, uh, baby room for mm-hmm. uh, different snakes. Um, upstairs was mainly the big guys, the retics, anacondas, Burmese pythons. Uh, and then he had a dedicated room to some of the tropical species. So he even back then he was keeping like your uh, Ganyasoma, um, your beauty snakes, um, a lot nice. of the, uh, yeah. Um, what else? False water cobras and some other things. Um, Straight up Owen's Alley. Yeah, you're yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, so yep. some of the, the first Bowie guy I ever saw were there. I didn't know what they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was doing them in your kind of your naturalistic um, arboreal type of setups in, in the corners. So we'd have your standard kind of terrestrial cages. And then the mm-hmm. corners were all these uh, arboreal units. And um, man, he, he you know, thinking back, he was really ahead of his time keeping some of the stuff. And um, yeah, that, so, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of my influence. And if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, he was the um, the first guy to kind of crack the code on mandarin rat snakes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got to kind of see some of the behind the scenes work he was doing with mandarin rats. And I, I've kind of been in love with Asian rat snakes ever since, too. I, I don't keep a lot of them, but, um, you know. That that played a big part when I saw that kind of operation going on. Mm-hmm. Saw how uh, someone like that was doing things. That 
kind of planted some seeds in my head for sure. That's very cool. So what does the collection look like currently? Give us kind of a brief overview of what you're working with right now. Oh, man. Yes. Um, (laughs) Is it easier to say what you're not working with? Yeah, is it simpler just to say like, you know. It goes in every direction. So this is, uh, if people can see just in this room, I don't think there's much um, that you actually behind. uh, I'll lean the other way. I'm reversed. That's a little green tree python back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, under that is a baby rack with um, baby, not so much baby, um, uh, bridles, pythons, and some some gopher snakes. Uh, there's some crested gecko. I'm sorry, crested geckos, gargoyle geckos in that incubator there. Mm-hmm. Um, in front of me, leopard geckos, and then there's more uh, gargoyle geckos and morning geckos in the kids' room. That way. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that I have things at the house, um, but as far as what I'm working with mainly in the warehouse, where my, my main focus is, of course, the monitors. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, let's see, we got uh, Aki's, Kimberly Rocks, uh, Tristis, uh, the sand monitors. Um, nice. And then there's a group of blue trees, um, and then the Indonesian dwarfs, uh, which I'm excited about. There's the so Offenberg guy, Timorensis, and uh, Similis. Um, so that was kind of a dream for me was to get all the the Indonesian dwarfs, the known Indonesian hmm. dwarf species. So um, that's what's going di- on. Are they difficult to come by, or they used to be? You know, your dirt cheap reptiles. Just like I, you guys have talked so many times on about yeah. snakes, how those used to be. In fact, I, I talked about Roy's Country Pet Jamboree. If I could go back in time and buy, buy half shit, stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buy just, shit that was right in front of you, yep. Yeah, these monkey tail skinks were, you know, uh, sale. It, you know how you see the old writing on the cages, ninety nine dollars, yeah. scratched out, forty nine ninety nine yeah. type of deal. <laughs> Hang on um, to it for a couple of years and sell it for three grand. Like yeah, right. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was. Uh, um, I lost my train of thought having that memory. So, uh, <laughs> but they were dirt monitors. Um, they weren't really looked at. Uh, people just thought they kept coming in. In fact, um, everything was kind of Timor monitors for the longest time. They were just, oh, that's a that's a Timor monitor if it was in that range and that size. Um, so, but they always interested me. I mean, even right now, to be honest, Savannah monitors and Nile monitors interest me. Um, so, I think that. We're, we're going to lose that one day to some degree in some fashion. And uh, I think there's just a lot there that right now we're honestly, we're taking for granted. Um, and that's happened with so many species now, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a dream for me just to get a few of these groups and, and figure them out. And um, you know, when we started seeing some of these really nice uh, Timor monitors come in, they used to call them the, uh, the blue spot Timor monitors, as far as the, uh, the Offenberg guy, the peacock monitors. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was seeing a few that would come through some of these shows out here in California that were just pink and orange and had all these crazy colors. And uh, I couldn't understand why more people were working with them. Of course, I wouldn't at the same time. I wasn't buying them <laughs> off the tables either. So, um, But it was always a dream of mine if I ever got back into reptiles because uh, I took a I took quite a few years off, a big break mm-hmm. uh, that I wanted to get a group of these and kind of keep things that I was interested in and just for me. So, you know, come 2018, I decided to kind of get back into things and I'm quickly realizing a lot of things that were so readily available 
uh, kind of went by the wayside. And now, you know, you're looking at the thousand dollar mark um, mm. for ring pythons. We used to see some of these um, yep. I don't know, abstract lizards you would see, you know, the prices shot up on um, even even the sand monitors. They, you know, there was people producing those and uh, then come to find out, you know, they were not that not that easy to find. And the price on them had quadrupled in the time that I was keeping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the past so um yeah that's kind of my interest in those was um just to get some groups and now to realize that they're not available they're not really coming in there's not a lot of people breeding them um now it's kind of become this passion to to save the uh, species somewhat for for the hobby here or at least give it my best shot because otherwise you know we might not have them um, right. So, no one, one person stopped. The one person that's doing them stops and then everybody else is screwed. Right. So, yeah. Right. Or Indonesia gets some weird. <laughs> or shut or shuts down. Or, yeah. or we, <laughs> we have another thing of COVID where they're never going to let us import and kind of right. crap. Yeah. They, they, all this stuff can, everything in the reptile community can easily be taken for granted. So right. um, that's definitely very cool. So aside from. You said the green tree pythons and the bread lie. What other snakes are you working with? On the snake side of things, let's see. Uh, I have some Antaresia, um, uh, which consists of some children's, pygmies, um, eastern, western Stimson's pythons. Uh, and then we have the carpet pythons, uh, Nova Guineas, um, West Popwins, uh Brettles, and then a few different jungle carpet pythons now. And then there's also, uh, I was lucky enough over the last two years to find some some road treasures, basically some gravid um, uh, gopher snakes. And mm. so pulled them back, um, uh, brought them to the house. They laid eggs over the last two years. Well, one the first year and then another wild-caught female the second year. And um, Nice. Yeah, it's, it's actually just a fun project. I was just going to hatch them out because uh, I could tell that one was obviously gravid mm-hmm. and real nice looking, nice looking gopher snake as well. Uh, a lot brighter and, and more red than most of the ones I see out here. So ah, this might be cool. And um, sure enough, you know, when the eggs hatch, two of these babies come out like super pink and red. And uh, so I don't know what to make of it. It's just a fun project at this point. You got all the other siblings look normal. These hmm. two kind of look. I mean, the, the pictures um, of them, there's no no mixing it up. There's two pinkish red ones and the rest are normal. Ones. You know which ones are the weird ones right off the yeah. bat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Those two. Yeah. There's and always so, those in the clutch. Right. And so uh, another female um, last year, I want to say 2020, um, there was some, well, um, had a good time with, Nick and Ryan uh, came out. Nick uh, Mutton and Ryan Young came out. Cool. Um, and they, <laughs> which involved a Corvette part and some other shenanigans. But anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they came out. And uh, then Riley, who's out here, and my buddy, uh, well, you guys might know Jeff Godbold, he's out here. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's go road cruising. I don't think any of us had been for a while. So um, we go road cruising, and my wife and kids are like, what is road cruising? I'm like, herping. That's exactly <laughs> what it sounds yeah. like. You cruise down the road for snakes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm doing this, uh, trying to explain to them what it is. And so it, I think it was two nights, maybe it was the very next night, 
I'm like, all right, let's go do it. You know, or is it mm-hmm. at least my first day off? I said, let's go do it. Uh, pack up the kids, the wife, get in the car. And we're going uh, right at a, a term I learned from from Ryan, snake 30, you know, right as the sun's going down. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so now my kids every time, dad, it's snake 30, you know. <laughs> so um, it's kind of fun. But they hopped in the car and everybody's ready. And I'm telling them, hey, we might see some some birds of prey right now. They're coming out to kind of feast on the, the mice and the, the reptiles mm-hmm. that actually come out on the road. And we're cruising down this road. And I'm giving them my best, you know, Nat Geo uh, explanation of what we might see here. And um, uh, sure enough, my wife looks over and she sees this hawk flying off with this gopher snake who's got its tail wrapped around the uh, barbed wire fence. Right. And so I hit the brakes and uh, go running over there with my flashlight. And the hawk actually ends up flying off, leaving the snake in this like lump of bloody mess in the in the uh, grass out there so i run over i'm looking at this thing i can tell it's gasping for air its head looks like it's you know contorted in this weird way and um i can see a couple puncture holes in the thing i don't know if those were from claws or i don't know if that was from the barbed wire fence but either way Mm -hmm. i'm thinking oh man this this thing's probably gonna die you know it's Mm -hmm. on death's doorstep so anyways we take it home and um it, within a day, its face goes back to normal. The uh, the puncture wounds start looking a lot better. And I'm like, all right, this thing might have a chance. That's nice. And yeah, I uh, give it a little food, a little water. And it's like, I think this thing's grab it. And sure enough, um, I think a week later, it lays some eggs. Hmm. And um, that was also kind of fun. The babies come out and there was one baby in there particularly that just, it's um super reduced pattern from the rest of them. It's got... You know, just some amazing yellows on it. So I'm just having fun. I'm I'm approaching this the uh, the uh, ball python method for uh, for gopher snakes here. My gopher snake project. I'm just gonna go collect them in the wild during the. Uh, oh wait, maybe I should say too much. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, you wanna, you wanna I, yeah. maybe you wanna not do that, or at least not say it. Yeah. yeah. For the authorities, so I, I have my fishing license. There and, it is. Uh, oh, yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Did the snake? Is the snake's did it make it? Did it? Oh yeah, the make, snake made oh. it. Um, you okay. wouldn't even be able to tell. Um, it amazes it, me that the the, the resilience that can, reptiles yeah. have. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, yeah. I think of Riley. I'm sure you know Riley and his Kribo that. Uh, oh yeah. This Kribo. Kribo situation where they almost killed each other and then and then like, had kids. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how to that one. <laughs> you and, know. Uh, I think I actually went over there a couple of days after that happened and yeah. checking it out. And even then you could tell it, it had, you know, gotten into a little tussle, but mm-hmm. yeah, those things heal up pretty, pretty And you fast. Like, give her a year or two and you're going to be like, there's no evidence that anything happened, which makes you think when animals come in from the wild and you're like, oh, this thing's scarred to hell. What did that thing look like? Like, <laughs> how, did, how did it? What? What did someone throw right. it through a wood chipper? Like, it had to be for there to be that many scars on, like you know, boas and stuff that come in for the wild. Oh, yeah, it must have been like split in half. It's like I don't know. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing to me how fast they monitors too. You know, you, mm-hmm. I see them getting to something and um, they they heal up pretty quick. So it's uh. There's been a few times I put some like super glue on them and uh, and just rub that in, let it dry. 
and the next shed it's off and you can barely tell tell that anything was it's okay there. if you write medical yeah. on the super glue because then I, that's like what it's I meant. That's medical what I meant. super glue uh, liquid yeah. bandage that's what liquid there it is <laughs> clear liquid bandage is what it says right. on the tape on top of the super glue yeah not the uh, 99 cent store version no never no no we would never do such things so so uh, you keep saying you you warehouse is this like a big what do you have a big thing off site or is it um, your backyard or it's um gosh uh so basically i was looking for just a new storage unit and um it would be nice if i had one that had power mm -hmm. uh, i wasn't looking to keep reptiles there uh that wasn't the initial focus at all it was more to the the place i was at kept raising the rent um, the light bulb inside the one dinky light bulb in the middle never worked. <laughs> and, uh, swinging light bulb. It's like, right. okay, this is helpful. Yeah. Right. And, um, because of work schedules, you know, I was on this, um, opposite flipped kind of graveyard schedule. So I did all my activities at night for the most part, just to keep up with my, my regular work schedule. And right. I just needed something more. And there's a couple projects with that needed uh, some attention. I needed to be able to plug in somewhere just to get some basic things done. And um, at the same time, I'm securing this this warehouse. And it is it's a roll up door warehouse. It's uh, it's like 14 foot by 28 foot. Um, nice. 12, 12 foot ceilings. And uh, then I was able to get the, the space next to me as well because they share an internal door. Um, so the play, whole place has power. Uh, I can go in and flick on a light switch because it had existing overhead lights in there. Mm -hmm. um, so now I have this place that's roughly 30, 30. Um, and there's the, the other half, I still have to lock in and, and kind of uh, do some things to, to be usable for the reptiles. But, um, you know, the other half already has an AC unit. Now the, the evaporative cooler and all that. And that's, yeah, that's where most of the stuff's happening right now. And uh, it's about, I'd say a little under a mile from the house. So it's not bad, but um, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, there's benefits to keeping off site too. I'm sure mm -hmm. you guys Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I bet there is. Um, <laughs> I, I could kind of think that uh, all the times that I've been walked downstairs, I've walked into my house and played, let's find the smell. Uh -huh. um, and then wish uh -huh. that wasn't in my house. Uh, so that, yeah, I can get that behind that. Right. Um, it's, I mean, when you moved into this place where you're like, oh, my God, now there's so much more room. And how <laughs> long up until you were like, oh, my God, I'm out of space. Like, was it a day, a week and so, a half? Like, yeah, it was um, funny. I'll, I'll take a, a little step back. to. So at the same time, I'm getting this warehouse. Mm. There's um, a co-worker of mine. I, now I had I had some Ackies and I had the Brittles pythons. Um, mm -hmm. That was it at the time. And a coworker of mine says, "Hey, my uh, or another coworker we know, his son has a bunch of uh, lizards, and he needs to get rid of them. Can you help him out? Because I know you're into reptiles." And I'm thinking, you know, bearded dragons and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I, said, ah, I might be able to help him out. I know the guy you're talking about. I worked with him for a while. He's a good guy, so um, maybe I can help this this kid out. And um, uh, you know, I, I get in contact with him. And he's like, "Yeah, I got a." Uh, high contrast water monitor sulfur water monitor there's uh another monitor that's loose in the house somewhere <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're uh, welcome to find it right. you can keep it if you find it good luck oh right cool. he's got some uh some rhino iguanas some lewis hybrids Christ. those are uh, 
Right. And, and then a, uh, a whole just army of leopard geckos. And uh, so I told my wife, I'm like, hey, this is going on. Uh, let's go get him. She's like, uh, I don't know about committing to this. I said, really. <laughs> come on, it'll be worth it'll it. It'll be fine. So, yeah. yeah, we go hook up a, uh, a U-Haul trailer and um, I drive up there with her and we're taking all the cages and everything because I think he's supposed to be in like somewhere on the East Coast in four days for a uh, uh, scholarship or something, some college. Oh, God. His dad had been telling him, hey, you need to move these. And uh, I think he was holding out that dad would help out or help take care of him. And <laughs> dad was like, no, this is not happening. Welcome to adulthood. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Harsh lesson. lesson. Right, yeah. right. So uh, I that happened at the same time. So I needed somewhere to put these. I can't put them in the house. I already got the brettles pythons here. There's no more room. Mm-hmm. Unless I um, kids share a bed and, you know, <laughs> I, I was like, you, you guys, this is your new stand up room. Dad, that's the closet. Right. I, it's fine. You guys don't need that much space. Right. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. So that's kind of how it happened. I, I wound up with these wood cages that I are melamine cages that I needed to put somewhere. I now have this new space. And um, so I ended up taking the Brettles pythons over there too. And that was the start of it. And just that um, one side of the warehouse, which, Again, the initial reason I got was to move out of an existing warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's been about two years now, and I still have that first warehouse. I never- oh, crap. Or <laughs> <laughs> our, our storage unit. I never was able to get rid of it. So, <laughs> um, Every so, time yeah. you'd move stuff in, you'd be like, that's less room for reptiles, and that can't happen. Right, so, right, yeah. right. And the, uh, the, the um, owner has been actually really nice to me because I told him, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be moving some stuff. Hey, change of plans. Um, so instead, I'm going to be, you know, moving some some other things. He's like, ah, 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 ah. The rent's on time. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So um, I don't I don't know if we should we should go down the monitor rabbit hole or talk about some of your carpets. Let, let's let's talk about some of your carpets. We first. have to do we some carpets. This is NPR. Yeah. You can probably yeah. check that off the list first yeah. because, uh, you know, monitors is kind of the kind of the topic de jour. But like, you know, OK, so you said you have some some West Poplin stuff. You got the Nova Guineas. What's your thoughts on Nova Guineas? What do you, what do you think they are? Um, I hmm, hmm, hmm. careful. You'll be judged harshly on your answer. Go on. Just so everybody knows, I'm I'm the type of keeper that yeah, I know there's a lot of books out there and a lot of information. I look at right. the pictures and then put them down. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> okay, that was fun. Like, well, yeah. maybe I should ask this question: Why yeah. did you get those as opposed to like what made else. what drew you to those? Uh, yeah, that project. Oh, oh, so, um. They were a package deal. Out of- <laughs> oh. oh, okay. <laughs> so I wanted, um, I wanted pygmy pythons. I, I, you know, when I grew up um, looking at reptiles magazine, I call it the, uh, the Casey Lassick um, special. There were yes. brettles, angolans, and pygmies. And that's what yes. I wanted. You know, um, I thought they were all awesome in their own right for different reasons. And uh, uh, still probably my favorite, pythons out there um but the someone had some uh do you actually, have all three of those <laughs> i i have two i had an angolan female mm-hmm. uh i ended up getting rid of her initially or i did get rid of okay. her but the goal is definitely to get back into angolans here yeah okay. all right back to yeah. the package deal. okay and then okay. we'll talk big so, knees because <laughs> yeah 
So I wanted this. He put up a bunch of pythons, a bunch of Antaresia and uh, the Nova Guineas. And I think there was a couple of uh, the uh, um, coastal carpets, the reds and everything. Um, nice. Right. Now, I wasn't too much, to be honest, I wasn't too much into those. I wanted the pygmies at the time. And so right. I I worked out a deal with him, and I then I didn't hear from him. I said, hey, we're so I got the money. Let's go. I, w- I want to buy those pygmies. And he said, you know, somebody else took everything. And so I'm bummed. And I'm like, oh, man, I really wanted those. Um, so he reaches back out to me about, I think, two weeks later. And I said, hey, just in case if anything falls through. Yeah. So sure enough. Things fell through. <laughs> and, don't you uh, love how flaky people well, can be? I mean, it mean, works like, yeah, to yeah, advantage to people how, that are not. <laughs> well, don't you love how it's like so? somebody's going to be flaky on somebody came in and bought everything. And yeah. then the dude's going to flake out. It's like, what kind of asshole says, I'll take it all. And then goes, <laughs> right. but I can't pay you. It's like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, I don't know. Right. It Whatever. has worked in my favor more I, often than Mine as well. So. <laughs> mine too. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so he ends up reaching back out to me and uh, he's like, hey, I need these gone. I need he's like bringing in some badger or something that he needed the money for. And uh, I didn't ask questions. A badger? A badger. Yes. A badger. Like like the mammal badger. The mammal. <laughs> yes. That is that's a first. I mean, I've never been like, I must get rid of these snakes so I can clear room for my chinchillas. Exactly. Like, it's- <laughs> Exactly. So I didn't ask questions. I I've said, never, okay, deal. never. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> he says, I need these things gone, you know, and now I had kind of spent the money in a different direction. Mm. And uh, he says, all right, if you can send the money, I'll send you the, the uh, pygmies, the, the Eastern um, Stimpsons and a uh, Western Stimson and the Nova Guineas. And this was for basically the original price that we talked to the, for just the pygmies. And okay. uh, yeah, so it's Badger market must be hot. Right. All right. Yeah, I'll call you right it. back. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go see what Move badgers are going for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I sell it to my wife. I'm, and I'm being honest with her. I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, this is a couple thousand dollars worth of snakes for a lot less. So let's, you know, see what can happen. Sure enough, it worked out. And that's how the uh, the Nova Guineas came to be. And um, I had received, you know, the information of who bred them. So I reached out to Eric Kohler, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. <laughs> I think he was, he was a nice guy. He was taking his kids somewhere. And he's like, yeah, I got a few seconds. Oh, yeah, I bred those. Oh, yeah, I sent them to this guy. And I'm like, awesome. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, and they're actually really interesting. You know, there's one that's striped, one that kind of has an ocelot thing going on. And then the other one just kind of looks like a normal uh, pattern. And they're, they've been nothing but awesome snakes. They feed every time. Um, they aren't an issue to handle. And uh, they will take whatever I throw at them. I think they're on rat pups now or something. You know, I haven't been exactly pounding them full of food since I got them. But um, mm-hmm. definitely have a different look than the, uh, the West Popwins, even though they are supposedly from the, the same island. <laughs> um, yeah. They look very much more uh, <clears throat> like some other carpet python. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll just stay Can with you... that. I'm no expert. I just, <clears throat> that's what I noticed. They kind of have like that. Uh, to me, they kind of have that uh, Cape York uh, mm-hmm. coastal carpet type of look to them. Absolutely. Opinion, you know, yeah. but uh, 
I'll say it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding I'll, out I'll there's a heat. lot of things that uh, kind of have that look from right across about that much water, you know? <laughs> uh <-huh>. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like somebody so, moved them or yeah, um, yeah. 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 no, uh, no. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I will let those people work that out. I just know mm. that I got a good deal on some snakes. So. <laughs> That's all cool. that really matters at the, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Right. So what's, what's your, your, uh, your jungle collection? Like, like, what's... um, I have a pair from, uh, Doug price. Um, nice. Nice. So, yeah, he's actually out here, oh, and uh, he's actually out here uh, in California. So he, he's a hard one to get a hold of when you hmm. can, and he has a moment yeah. to talk. I the, the kind of stories and information that can come out of this guy are amazing. But um, trying to track him down for that conversation is, <laughs> is a little <laughs> difficult. So, uh, but yeah, my my jungles are from him. They're gorgeous. Um, yeah, they're just amazing looking animals and then the other two i have are some ivory zebras from nick that uh nice. kinda, okay they're my means to a pet project of my i i want a i want a silver or white carpet python and i said hey nick i want a silver or white carpet python and uh i said what are those um he gave me some different options basically between the uh, well, uh the oh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 that's that's actually my favorite of the three that That's cool, though. It looks they like a jag like without that. a jag. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. got like that ocelotty pattern, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, cool. And um, yeah, so that's that's the jungle collection right now. And those, man, I have no problem with any of the West Popwins, the Nova Guineas, or the Brettles. I just, they're, they're all sweet snakes. And these mm -hmm. jungles want to take my head off, you know? So, <laughs> I'll, good. I'll walk by good. and just hear it. So, <laughs> I, like, I bet that hurt. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I ended up flinging one of these zebras across the room the other day. So um, I'm in the tub doing stuff. They're still small. So mm -hmm. I'm not paying any attention to it. And I felt it hit my, my forearm right here. And I'm like, okay, it's striking at my forearm. I'm just trying to clean this up in the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't realize it might have had a tooth or two still in there. So when I go to uh, rip my hand back, you know, <laughs> I kind of see something out of the corner of my eyes. Go flying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost didn't even pay attention to it. And so then I, I look over and I see this little zebra going, uh, you know, sneaking across the floor and uh, glad I took that second look. So um, but hopefully they'll grow out of it. And uh, yeah, the goal is still to make that, I guess, in this situation, a super zebra uh, for myself and and. Uh, I, you know, I don't even know too much. Of it. I hear talk about the zebra gene and all this, mm. and the super zebras. And um, I'm kind of kind of in my own world with that. So I just I, I want a snake that looks a certain way and I'm going to make my own. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having a silver or you said you wanted a silver or white carpet python at this point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I do enjoy looking at the, some of the ghost stuff coming out of Australia. And I'm like, soon. Oh, soon yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's as far as carpets. That's what I'm keeping right now. Of course, I'm always looking at the rest. Of the, Riley doesn't help at all. Um, so. <laughs> he doesn't help anybody. What yeah. is the no. purpose of that of Riley? Like you know. Yeah, so looking at some of his stuff, and of course the stuff uh, you guys got going on. Um, there's a whole world of, of goodness. Inlands are on the list. You know mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. But I want that certain look to the inlands myself. Uh, that uh, it's an Antaresia. Oh yeah, 
that's my my pygmy girl. Um, now, is that an adult pygmy? Yeah, I would still say she's a my small adult. God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I I can't. I don't trust myself holding that. I'd break it. Oh man. You know. Yeah, they're, they're cool snakes. Did you breed them? Not yet. So I'm hoping to this next season. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to take the actually the Antaresia, the Brutals, and the, the Gopher snakes down kind of in the in the same way and mm-hmm. bring them back up and just see what it does. I'm, I'm actually thinking of doing it not only with them, but a few of the uh, Australian dwarf monitors kind of in the same room and just uh, basically mermaiding whatever the term is for it now. Uh, but basically cooling them off and bringing them back up and seeing what happens. Just- Are you fully prepared for baby, baby Antaresia? Like frog <laughs> and the headaches that we hear that those are uh yeah i think apparently i think all you guys are liars and just making it uh you know <laughs> i can't I, i'm not brave enough to deal with it so you know uh, i bow out I, of that so um i've had actually really good luck with babies i'm not saying that has anything to do with future anteresia but in preparation i have a little army of morning geckos going already and the uh the sand monitors when i feed them sometimes they come flying out of the cage or not out of the cage it's still within the cage but come flying so quick they actually leave a mouse tail still in the tongs and i just bag those i'll save up. you so, for later <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah i'm not gonna wiggle a tail in front of you I'll feed you that was mouse. gruesome i'll save this for later <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah so i'm kind of prepping it in that way um you know of course in order of the uh, little red hot pinks and then uh I, if I have to get crafty, I'll be catching some of the uh, Western fence lizards out here and rubbing pinkies on their backs and letting them go again. <laughs> your wife's going to be like, why is there a bunch of fence lizards in a blender? Mind your business, that's why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, mm. I get myself in trouble again. Uh, oh, well, I'll say it. Uh, go around catching lizards, pulling off their tails. and <laughs> it, it It's a defensive. You just, you're holding the lizard. You right. are moving it off the road and it ripped its tail off. It, oh no. Yeah. 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 No. So, I was even thinking about it with the morning geckos. Cause uh, you know, they kind of grow on you a bit. I'm like, well, instead of wasting an adult, that's going to produce more babies. What if I just kind of, you know, it, <laughs> if you're doing something, if you're like gecko scenting something, I had three geckos for one of my mad hog babies. And I fed it a whole gecko, and then I just to use the other two, like cutting feet off, tails off, mm-hmm. things like that, slowly scenting each one until eventually I was just thawing out the the trunk of the last one with a pinky, <laughs> and that's what got the the lizard scent on it. And then I wasn't even doing it anymore. So yeah. you can stretch that stuff out forever. So if you even just take a couple tails, that might be enough to get it for some of the baby antaresia. So yeah, yeah, that's the plan. And you know, I somebody's probably already tried it, and I just haven't found the information yet. But I know um, someone recently was trying guppies or some little small fish for Antaresia. Was that you? Uh, no, I was not. But oh. I was doing the. I did, did it the, for carpets. <laughs> I did yeah. it for carpets, and then um, somebody. God, I want to say it was Brett, but I don't think it was. Um, somebody was like, "I need to try this for my Antaresia," and it was working. Yeah, little, little gold like the little guppies and stuff like that. So I wonder if something like that would work or to be honest, I wonder if even some of the, like the new feeders that are coming out, like uh, Kai um, is doing grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it would work for a baby Antaresia, just that little bit of movement in that way would get them feeding on that. So. It was Dan, 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 sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, you said, yeah. It's something like it, it, it's it's a small little thing with a ton of movement, especially yeah. if they manage to flop themselves out of the water bowl. <laughs> that I mean, I don't see how any snake would be like. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna bite the shit out of that. So right. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna approach them with the whole like uh, a taco bar mentality. It's like there, you got <laughs> yeah, everything's available. Yeah. What do you want? Yeah, <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> so talk to me again after I have babies. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Um. All right. Well. Let's uh, let's transition into uh, the monitors. And at some point, I'm going to share this right now because I don't. I'm I'm sure you probably saw this this article, but um, I know uh, the Pingle podcast just sort of talked. They had a little uh, uh, segment that uh, kind of talked about this. But um, the monitor uh, burrows, the yep. uh, oh shit, how they went like four meters down. <laughs> Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, and they spiraled. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, insane. crazy, crazy. And then the fact that I don't know if you have any thoughts on the that the they the emergence burrow where they come out of is straight up as opposed to going up through the thing. There were some thoughts that they do that spiral because of uh, you know yeah, temperature and humidity stabilization. Um, and the other thought that they said on the show was that um, maybe they come out uh, straight up out of the burrow. Um, because uh, uh, predators could be waiting at the mouth of the of yeah. the uh, the spiral barrow, so they sort of, sort of or switch it up. But I, I mean, I, I know we'll probably get into it when you say it, but um, when we start talking, but you know, one of the things that that constantly I hear about is just like you know how important it is for breeding monitors that they have a place where they can burrow and like for it to go, I think it said four meters down. It's just insane. That's just crazy. <laughs> that is nuts. Right. Four meters is nuts. Yeah. It's so, I, I've, I've seen the same picture and it's uh, definitely brought some thought up, you know, in, in my own head about things. Uh, and then I know also that uh, other monitors will use uh, sand monitor burrows. Like uh, Aki's will actually also lay their eggs in existing sand monitor burrows. Um, and they've been able to kind of excavate some of these areas and find both sets of eggs or different species mm -hmm. also in these burrows. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. interesting. Uh, I wonder if it's the whole work harder or work smarter, not harder, save your resources type of thing yeah. going on in the desert yeah. out there. So, um, but you know, you take a, you take a look at that. I didn't hear that, the, um, the episode that you were talking about, but, uh, when I took a look at something like that Kind of with my own experience, uh, I've had the my sand monitor uh, lay in six inches. People are gonna hate, you know hate on that, but uh, <laughs> now to be fair, I had two feet on the other side of the cage, so um, this is her like, fault. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not like she was without the options of Jesus. going deeper. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, just, um, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure just like with anything, right? I mean, they will probably do it, but yeah, you know, like, you know, I'll have a perfect nest box for my carpet and she'll lay the eggs in the water bowl. Oh, Doesn't right. mean but, I yeah. didn't provide I mean, it for her, it just means she's dumb enough to look put them there. Yeah. Look how deep that is. <laughs> it's just yeah, you could live in there. Yeah. Great looking egg. I wonder if that's all one clutch or uh, that has to be a couple. Yeah. I would assume that has to be a couple different. Do you think things. other females would kind of find this and be like, "Freaking perfect!" Somebody else already dug it out for me. And just put I, their eggs right in the same spot. 
I do. Or what make, would make more sense is as they're uh, kind of digging down, they're finding these different uh, nest chambers and they have somewhat yeah. of a responsibility to collect those eggs and, mm-hmm. um, you know, do something with them. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I There's a lot of thoughts that come in my head when I look at something like that. And there's obviously no way we can replicate that. Or for most of us, we can't replicate that in mm-hmm. uh, captivity. But mm-hmm. is that really the point? Do we really need to make that? Or did that monitor dig down? Because in its world, there are predators. Mm-hmm. Um, it does need to dig down that deep to find the right temperatures uh, and humidity from whatever's going on in Australia. <laughs> and uh, is that, um, w- is it going to do the same thing in captivity when you eliminate the predators, mm-hmm. uh, when you provide this perfectly um, suitable nesting area at the right temperature and humidity, you know, is that as valuable um, as it would be out in the wild? So obviously they're, they're reproducing in captivity. So both happen, um, both can work. So I, I look at that like, man, that's awesome. But um, I just wonder if maybe it doesn't really have to do with the, you know, the depth to re- replicating the depth. But um, I think it's uh, maybe the humidity and the temperature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is super important. You know. Yeah, maybe she well, need to go down that far. Have to go down go. that far. Yeah, yeah, in order to, right. in order to achieve it. Um, just, uh, I don't know, man, I, you know, the monitor thing was kind of something that I kind of put off for a long time. And now that I have the Ackies, like, man, if they're, I could watch them all day. <laughs> so so I don't know. Tell us about, <laughs> to talk to us about, uh, to, let's, let's start with those, right? Um, do you, would you say that they're uh, a good beginner monitor? Uh, uh, yes, I definitely would. Um, one, they're just amazing little monitors. Uh, they, yeah, they have great personality. They're intelligent. Um, they can definitely, if you work on their terms, they'll definitely treat you well. You'll get to see some cool stuff and uh, be able to interact with that little animal. Nice. What does that mean when you say on their terms? Like what, what do you, what do you, I mean, um, so my approach to, to animals is, well, specifically monitors, uh, especially with the captive bred uh, Australian stuff. It's, I mean, it's been here for a while. So you just give it some space. You let it know that you represent food. You don't try too much to handle it. Right. And, uh-huh. you know, th- within a month, I go in there with the, the bag of crickets that I used to shake up the uh, supplements with and uh, go to pour the bag in. They don't wait for a cricket to drop out of there. They just wait for the tip of the bag. And now I got like three little baby monitors hanging from this plastic bag because oh. they know there's crickets <laughs> coming. Yeah, and, right. Um, and yeah, I think it was those three actually that do That's that. That's cool. <laughs> uh, oh, good time. And um, you know, you let them know that you're food, and they key into that. And then, so once you're to that point, they they don't run away when they know it's food time. Then I can start grabbing crickets by the back and mm-hmm. put them in there. And um, you know, they work in groups too. They one of them will kind of watch you. You'll have one that's more bold than the rest of them. And once that one starts taking crickets. Uh, from your hand, the other ones are going to run out and try to steal it from that one, or they're going to see that, hey, that one made it back alive, and there's more food out there. So uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's my original girl. I love that one. She's such a good animal. Um, they're cool lizards. Like, they're cool little lizards. It's like uh, like a toy version of a Nile Munner. 
Like it's. Oh, and I, I have to say that, you know, I've listened to some past episodes. There was a, mm. there's been a little bitterness. I, I hear a, a little acceptance. Maybe it's because you haven't me on and that's my thing. I don't know. You're being such a I, I have. <laughs> well, there's that. The day, the day we have somebody on, I'm like, man, clown pides are amazing. That's when you yeah. hear it. But yeah. um, it's, you know, I've had monitors. Did you, wait, did you just say clown pies are amazing? Worry, <laughs> just it. totally it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. Okay. Everyone's safe. Okay. Deep breath. Everyone's fine. Deep breath. Deep breath. Everybody. Next thing you're going to say, Bigfoot's right. real. Go ahead. It isn't. It's a fake monkey, and I hate all of you. So, oh, one, oh, one more um, of you think sends something to my house. Like, I'll kill all of you. you so, know, I, I, on that note, um, yeah. You can't really see it right now, but I'm gonna go ahead and sit up here a bit. And uh, that's Rowan yeah, right there. Right there, there it is. Is. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> I, I've had monitors in the past, and my, my big thing was each with each one of them is that they are they're a lot. I mean, even mangrove yeah. monitors, you, you need a big enclosure for them and stuff like that. So to kind of see these little ones, it's like, once again, if I had just gone the little one route, like maybe I could have some Ackies or some Absolutely. Kims yeah, or man. some uh, Tristis or something like that. So this is yeah. that whole, you know, you, you went for the exotic stuff and not the girl next door type of deal there. Uh... <laughs> yep. Yep. I went for, I think I had, at one point I had a, I had a, a Dermal's monitors here. Um, I had Mangrove's monitors here. I had a, um Merton's monitor here. I had Niles here. Yeah. Niles suck. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, man, your buddy, man, he had the worst taste in monitors. He thank you. Like, like everything was pissed, big and mean and just like not I, I, don't, I never understood, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could yeah. have all these crazy Australian monitors or Indonesian monitors, and he chose the the one that's, well, that's the thing. Like, I, I enjoyed the mangroves. <laughs> when they were babies and then they kept right. growing past the point where I'm like, all right. And then they just started ripping their cages apart. I'm like, I hate you guys. So yeah, yeah it's, Oh, the dwarf monitor. You know, that's another thing that um, stick for, I would say for the new monitor keepers out there, if you're interested in definitely stick to the Australian dwarfs. Cause mm, yeah. I mean, they've been here 30 plus years now at this point. So, um, and it's not like we, went out there and got new ones. Most of the stuff is still the original stock. And uh, uh, even, the, well, mm, no, I won't say that. Um, no, I will say that. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes there's monitors that go on a little trip across the ocean and uh, mm. they turn into mm, new lines of monitors and then they come oh. back and people think that they're different when maybe a certain person over there bred line bread for better looking animals this isn't the case with all of them but in a lot right. of instances you know across the board with reptiles this kind of stuff happens sometimes and so sure. they're actually out of the, they're still related um they're still kind of out of the same stock of animals um so that, there I was only so many <laughs> there were only so many founder animals so just because you say it's a european line right. animal it doesn't really help because it's there's only so many that were escaped Australia. So exactly, what are we exactly. doing here? Yeah, it's almost like the <laughs> it's when people are like I eventually it's going to be splitting hairs with bread lie because people have been crossing things all over the place where it's like eventually it's just going to be bread lie and right. unless right. you really stuck into 
LASIK or some of the other lines, I mean, it's going to be hard. So, exactly. And yeah. the, the, it's the same with monitors. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely suggest if uh, you're looking to get back in. They're, they're super rewarding so, animals. No, I'm not looking to get it back into anything. No, God damn it. So, no. <laughs> Eric, so I, need, ask- I need an address for Owen. And- no, please God, no. <laughs> yeah. He's not allowed well, to get my address you're send- out anymore. If you're sending monitors, forget him, man. We're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I could give you money for it. If you're going to send... If- <laughs> You're just going to send um, pins, and Bigfoot stickers, of course. Yeah. Oh, this this is um, part of my business plan. First one's free, but I'm only sending one. And you know mm-hmm. how we are. We, we want to pair things up. So <laughs> that's right. You need a well, pair. Eric already has red ones. So, so you, red ones, right? Yeah. I have yeah. Red ones. Yeah. Um, so you need to get something else. So out of the, let, let, let's start with that. The, the yeah. dwarf Australian monitors. What is our Ackies? Do you think the, the best ones to start with? Uh, yeah. I would say yes because of the price and the availability. But there's okay. a ton of the dwarf monitors that can be kept the exact same way as Aki's. Like uh, um, Storai, Kingorum are out there. Yep. They You can set them up in a 40-gallon breeder and never look right. back. You know, um, Even the um, the Gil and I, um, or is it, you know, we say eyes on the end of everything. I'm still getting over the Gil and E. Yeah, Gil and E. Um, so they're awesome. I, it's something I want to work with. Uh, they're kind of more drab, although there are some real nice looking ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're goofy. They're they're fun. You set them up in a, you know, in a um, more arboreal type of uh, even some of the bigger like glass exoterras and whatnot. You can make those work like the three foot ones for a group of those and watch them run around the whole thing all day long and uh, having a great time. You get to see some really fun behaviors out of those guys. So. Um, they're just maybe not as bright and they're not at the same price level as Aki's are right now. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they're a great, I mean, they live in the desert in these hollow trees where (laughs) there's not much water. It's like, they're, they're pretty resilient little animals. So, um, yeah. So I was going to say, what's your, what's your setup for you? Like, you know, I imagine imagining that they're all similar and, and set up and what, like, what's your setup for somebody that wants to, uh, Set well, up the Ackies. I, hmm, I kind of ask them if they have anything available to begin with, and if mm-hmm. they do, if they're you know if they have an Exoterra, I talk to them about how to set it up to make it usable for their animals mm-hmm. at that time. Right, and then um, usually in a in a situation like that, uh, it's fill it up with substrate. Um, because it's more like the philosophy of keeping. It's it's not necessarily the animal, but if you're keeping something that has an open top, you need yep. a, a a layer, a thick layer of substrate so that you can have that um, moisture level in the soil that's constantly evaporating that you keep adding right. water to. And that's how you, I guess that's one way to skin the cat, you know? Yeah. And then right. the other way, if they don't have a setup like that and they need to purchase something or buy something, it, you know, there's, the truth is you can, you could keep, and breed Ackies in a Home Depot tub, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the big coats. You can do uh, it. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I think, uh, 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 what do you, uh, the name escapes me for the, uh, pro exotics, uh, did them in troughs, right? I mean, yeah. big battle yeah. troughs. Yep. The, the, the horse, the rubber horse ones, right. Or the metal ones. Uh, I think for the most part, the metal ones, mm. um, Back yeah. then, and back then, I was keeping them in cattle troughs too. Everything mm-hmm. was in cattle troughs, um, big right. and small. 
and um, they they also work, but there's there's different things that you have to take into account with that is uh, if you build yourself like a wood or PVC enclosure, it's going to hold temps and humidity better. So right. you could actually get away with using um, a thinner layer of substrate as long as you have a nest box in there. And that, right. it, that holds humidity. And then inside that, that type of cage, it's going to hold humidity really well. Um, or you could build out a whole cage. And uh, if you want to use whole nest or whole cage nesting, you can do that too. Just make sure it's built in the right way to handle, you know, a thousand pounds of substrate. And um, for the most part, I, I don't recommend that for a lot of brand new keepers. Um, right. And I believe me, I've gotten some hate for that. But um, <laughs> it who wants to shovel a thousand pounds of dirt into their house? And then <laughs> you get the argument <laughs> yeah. like you for the animals. And I'm like, eh, is it? Cause uh, it yeah. I mean, it can get if, if the animal can get by. I mean, I understand. I, I understand what you're saying that that. For the animals and all that other stuff, for this is one way to do it, but there's other ways to do it, so you don't necessarily have to. Right. So and yeah. Kind of my thought on that is, you know, where did where now? To be fair, I haven't seen Aki's out in a while, but mm. from what I can look at, they're very happy in a lot of circumstances, living on a pile of uh, rocks where they can run out or something they can run down into the crevices and make their burrows under that area. It's not like they're using mm-hmm. the whole. Uh, dry scape of Australia as their there's purposes to their burrows, you know? So if um, you can give them a nest box that is appropriate, that um, holds temp and humidity, then in my experience so far, they use it just fine. Uh, that being said, I've used both, um, both can and do work. So however the, the keeper wants to set up, um, if they ask me questions about mm-hmm. it, I'll, I'll give my best advice. You know, this is what you're looking for. Um, for my purposes, um, right now I'm keeping most things in uh, Aki's. I keep in um, right now four by twos, and those work just fine for me. Um, now to the extremes of that, I've kept them in a two foot Exoterra, and they've been successful in there. Um, cool. I've also have a good good buddy that uh, has raised them in colonies, where he basically built an entire twelve foot by eight foot shed into an Aki enclosure and um, you know, there's numerous males and females in there and wow. they did just fine in that setting too. So there's so many different ways that work as long as you meet the basics of heat, food, humidity. Okay. So let's, let's, well, I think like, uh, I think one of the, the, well, for me, one of the things that getting into monitors, uh, again, was that substrate thing. Is there like yeah. a recommended substrate that you use, uh, that, you know, or, you know, it's a, it seems to be like, it's just a mix of certain things, but what's your, what's your setup like for, as far as substrate? I've tried different things. Um, right now I'm using blend of your sand and, uh, the, what is it? Cocoa core. Um, mm-hmm, right. That has worked in so many instances. I don't hesitate with that. Um, I've never had issues with my animals either. If they're set up right. the right way um, that, you know, I have any issues. So for me, that works. Um, plus the, the cocoa core kind of lightens up the nest box rather than having all dirt or all sand. So when I'm lifting one off the uh, ground, you know, not throwing my right. back out, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so the same substrate you put in a nest box, you put in the cage as well. Same, same deal. I have some setups like that. 
because I the truth okay. is this I'm still experimenting with a lot of this for my own purposes. So sure. I'm yeah. using that uh, in some cages. Some other uh, cages I'm using a mixture of um, topsoil and they call it PG and E sand out here for uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, the company. Uh, uh-huh. The reason is they they when they're putting down power poles and whatnot, this uh-huh. is what they put in the ground around it. Um, so it's kind of like a um, in-between version of sand and your decomposed granite. And it's um, that's what I use for the sand monitors. And, um, you know, I've used it in a couple of nest boxes as well as like Tristis. And cool. they nest in that one. They nest in the other one. Um, so I think it has a lot more to do with um, the right temperatures and humidity in the box, no matter what type of materials you're really using. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ron St. Pierre is saying he uses um, uh, just cocoa core. It's stuffed yeah. into a tote and that's working for him. So um, with someone like that saying, hey, this works, you know, we kind of got to say, okay, well, all this stuff works. So at that point, it's just what do you have available to you and what do you want to use? Um, I've, let's see. That's for the most part, that's what I'm using. And then the substrate in the cage, I've also used like the uh, the cocoa chips or whatever they could, the cocoa blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that purpose, you know, there's there are um, species like the Kimberly rocks or the Tristis that they don't do a whole lot of digging. They can and they will. But I'd rather set them up with those just to cover the, the ground, basically, and then set them up with an appropriate size kind of nest box slash humidity box where if they need to get in there, they can go use that. Um, that works for, for that need. And uh, it saves me on the trouble of digging up a whole, you know, area where they use um, once for nesting during the season or, you know, however many times they nest. Mm, um, right. So right now that's what I'm experimenting with is mixtures of soil Um the cocoa core and sand has worked pretty much in, in any of my um, cages. Uh, and the, the cocoa blocks uh, seems to work just fine as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> I get, I get people upset when I say some of these things. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> over yeah. dirt, like it right. is, come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to get you in trouble or anything, but oh, at I the am. same time, I know like, you know, some of, uh, I think some well, okay. For, just from my perspective, right from the perspective of being more of a snake guy and coming into monitors, I sort of heard dribs and drabs of like some of the bait. You know, this debates that happen with all reptile people. You know, keep it this way, yeah. keep it that way, and back and forth, and blah blah blah. My way's better. You know, all that bullshit. But right, <clears throat> um, you know, I mean, clearly, you, you know, you're doing something right. Uh, according to uh, to what you got going on, because you're keeping uh, you know uh, many different species and you're you're breeding them. So you know, I I, I don't know. I, I I just like I don't know. I guess like the is the same debate of like keeping bearded dragons on sand and all that bullshit. It's oh just, yeah, it's just stupid, you know. So I I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> worry about that. But um, so I guess the next thing in the in monitors that probably differs from snake keepers is temperature so like mm-hmm. you shoot for a certain ambient temperature and obviously most important part of the whole thing is is that is the hot spot so maybe you right. can talk a little bit about how you set that up well i basically um 
I experimented with different setups and uh, for, for my, per- I'm always experimenting or tinkering with something for the most part. So um, right. out here in California, we also can't get our hands on your regular incandescent floodlights as easily anymore or at all in some, some instances. So oh, is everything um, LEDs now or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go into Home Depot and buy incandescent bulbs anymore. You can't even, you know, like Amazon won't even ship them out here. They don't even uh, have it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to find some workarounds and I'm either buying out the stock that people do have on hand or um, mm-hmm. those mini halogens. Now I'm, I'm using the G9s like uh, mm-hmm. Zilla has made their bulbs. Um, yeah. And those have worked great in my dwarf setups. So they have those, not uh, just Zilla, but of course you can find them other places and anywhere from like 20 watts up to 60, even 75 watts. So uh, I've ordered a 10 pack and I'm just playing with setups and trying to find that right temperature, which for me in baby setups is right around 125 is um, what I set most of the babies up at. And I'm totally happy with that. Uh, some of the adults, I might play with temperatures up to 150, but for the most part, I'm happy around 130 to 140 mm-hmm. with my Australian animals. Um, and then the Indonesian animals, I keep more like 120 to 130 is their hot spot. Um, and then um, <clears throat> I, I try to position the bulb itself in the cage so that the gradient is uh, kind of going out equal on both sides. You know, a lot of times in, in traditional, I'd say cages, we try to put the, the heat lamp on one end mm-hmm. and then you have the cold end of the cage, which um, I understand why and I understand why it works. But for my own purposes, a lot of times I'm finding myself putting a heat bulb in the middle and um, letting the ambience or the cool ends reach about 80 to 85 degrees for like the Aki's. Um, I have absolutely no problem at all with Aki's keeping them with that kind of ambient on the cool ends. They actually seem to run better. (laughs) This last week when it was super hot here and Mm -hmm. the ambient inside my warehouse was like 95, all the Australian monitors are running around looking at me. Where's the food? And, um, so there's no doubt in my mind, you can run those guys hotter. Um, yeah. And they seem to do just fine. So um, that's what I aim for uh, as far as hot spots in most of my cages. Um, another important thing is it, with those mini halogens work great for the dwarf monitors, uh-huh. but they're not enough to cover the entire body of like a sand monitor. So right. you have to use either bigger bulbs, like bigger actual physical bulbs or multiple smaller bulbs or so like that you're bang. not getting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're not getting burn spots on your animals because they're trying to heat up under this, you know, little micro focused area. When they're just sitting and, there all day. Yeah. Right. So it's it's kind of <laughs> I spend so much time looking at things online. Like, um, gosh, what one of my favorite catalogs to get is that Uline uh, catalog for like yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I flipped through that because I get it because I order my paper for my snakes through it. Yeah. And I get they send you the phone book every time they you buy anything from right. them. So you, you page through it and you're like, can I use that in the snake room? Absolutely. I could. <laughs> I could yeah. do that. I could do something with that. I don't know what yet, but I could do something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Now, dangerous. Great, great catalog. Now, now going through the the hotspot 
that you have set up for for those are you doing uh you know the the whole uh reed stack type of thing are you are you like leveling up cork bark or you, is it straight yeah. like capacity okay i i generally do some type of um not only a gradient that's uh horizontal um vertical. but also the vertical gradient i think that's really yeah. important actually so mm -hmm. and uh what a lot of new keepers myself included uh, at the time is we have to build this stack. It's like we get way into what kind of stack do you build? What kind of wood do you use? <laughs> right. And um, just to, to put it out there, the, the reason, and I, I might be misremembering this, but from what I remember, um, Frank Reed is, you know, the reason he made the stack is he said, I would find animals under piles of trash and wood. And you know how people just go dump some boards and stuff out there. Um, right. And they would find them on different layer. He would find them on different layers of the uh, the stack. And so what he realized just looking at it was, hey, this offers different thermal gradients, and the animal can stay hidden, uh, doesn't have to expose itself, and it's safe, and it can choose what temperature it wants under there. So you know, one of the reasons guys go out and and put down board lines is kind of the same same idea. You know, right. these animals feel safe in there. So um, uh, I use some version of that same philosophy, whether it's stacked pieces of wood or cork, uh, bark, or even tiles, um, or even, um, how would I even explain it? Like you can set up branches at different levels right? and then right. put a face piece over those, those set of branches. So you can't actually see it and it knows it's hidden from you. But for some of these, like uh, these Indonesian dwarfs, they feel a lot more secure because they can't be seen. They want to stay hidden. But behind that, they're choosing their own temperature and they're kind of semi-arboreal anyway. So they feel right at home, you know, um, using a setup like that as well. So I, I think experiment with it. You just stick to the yeah. philosophy of providing, you know, a temperature gradient this way and play with different ideas. I think it's it's like one of those things that that those temperatures are so foreign to most snake keepers. You know, it's kind of like even just carpet pythons keeping diamonds and bread lie at 50 degrees. It's kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, right. so yeah. now you're going the opposite way where it's like, you know, 120 to 150 degree basking spot. It's just yeah, I don't know. That can be like, wait, what? <laughs> it it, it does seem crazy, but it's actually it's not. The, the truth is a lot of times like guys with snake cages, if you have a four by two set up with a heat lamp in the, in the corner or mm. a socket, um, you are actually, you already have that same setup. It's just, instead of having that heat bulb point straight at the ground, you're actually just bringing the ground up to the heat bulb. Deep bulb. So, okay. Yeah. It, it's the same setup. Um, it's just using it differently. So that's kind of how I, I achieve that. Uh, are those the, gradients in there? So the basic point is just to have it that they can thermoregulate themselves all while being hidden and safe and things right. like that. So you don't just put a, a, a bulb in the cage and point it directly at like the tiny little, um, what is it, a half of a coconut thing you bought right. at like <laughs> yeah. uh, at Petco. It's like, there exactly. you go, guys. It's like, yeah, all right. So, exactly. Okay. You know, and one of the things I, I actually like to use a lot is a, um, a bigger cork tube. Mm. And then I prop it up at essentially a 45 degree angle and right. just stick some other smaller pieces of like, uh, I use oak bark a lot because it, the way it breaks off, mm. I'll stick them inside the, the cork tube or other mm -hmm. branches. 
and they can kind of nestle up in the little cracks and nooks of that at whatever point in that 45 degree angle where they feel comfortable. And then they mm-hmm. can stick their head out, half their body out can be laying over at the top uh, or they can be right on top of it. And then when they see me come in, you know, the Indonesian mm-hmm. dwarfs, they dart, but they love that setup because they can achieve their, their temp gradient and never have to really expose themselves to me. So. so as far as water goes, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of, obviously with desert species, it's not insanely important, but some of the tropical ones, I mean, are large water dishes a thing or is it just they, they get a lot of their water from meat or misting? Like, what would you recommend for that? They get what I give them. That's Good. <laughs> All right. Whatever I feel like. Got it. Mm. Right. Uh, only the strong will survive. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. Welcome to nature in a box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, what I've, you know, uh, I actually, I had three green tree pythons. Now I have one green tree python. Uh-oh. Um, so one of the things I learned from there, I, I didn't realize what I was doing. And so, you know, I, I was spraying down some of these lizard cages and they would drink when I would spray them down. I was spraying them down because they still had open tops and it was mm-hmm. a way to keep the moisture in there. But um, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that they were coming out and licking the glass. Now I had little water bowls in there with the little um, deli cups mm-hmm. and it's in there, but it's not really doing a whole lot. Uh, even in an open top, you know, it's just sitting there and they never really drank out of it, but they were drinking from the um, water I was spraying. And, um, I, it's not like I stopped that. It's just something I keyed more into after I, I killed two green tree pythons with, uh, um, not providing water in the way they demanded it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So they, um, this, so it's, it's kind of funny. I had, I had two yellow ones, one red one, uh, the two yellow ones, maybe it's cause how bright they were and my inexperience with that species. Um, I couldn't tell that they were dehydrated. That's, they're also an animal uh-huh. that I just left alone because I wanted them to catch on, be feeding. Um, so they actually, I'm pretty sure they, those two died of dehydration. The red one about the same time, what I could tell was that it was dehydrated. And the only reason I could tell is because it's red. I couldn't really tell it on the, the yellow, yellow animals. As silly mm-hmm. as that sounds, I could see it because the red pigment and, um, I stuck its face in a water bowl and it's like on death's doorstep. It started drink. Like uh, you see the jaw move in and I'm like, water's here, stupid. Yeah. (laughs) I'm such an idiot, you know? (laughs) And so um, after that, I made sure I set it up in a different cage and I was spraying the cage and I saw it um, like a week for a week straight drinking off the sides of the cage. And um, so for the Indonesian stuff that like to say hidden, I Mm. just started really paying attention to it. And I realized these guys are doing the same thing. And um, so those guys, I, that's what I do for the blue trees and the, the Indonesian dwarfs. I spray the cage pretty much every day and um, they're still alive. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> things are going well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Australian stuff, I have water in their cage and um, there's, there's a couple of weeks out of the year where I'll spray uh, kind of like in that springtime storms and everything, mm-hmm. see if that kicks off anything, but I really don't, I don't focus on spraying them unless they're also in open screen top can enclosures. Then I will. Um, and, uh, so I, uh, am I making any sense here? I, I look yeah. at a cage. You're I good. look at a cage. And right. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if I treat the animal 
in the cage it's in. So um, for open top stuff, I'm spraying the cage. I'm keeping more of a bank of substrate in there. Um, I'm paying more attention to the water for that animal in that setup. Whereas the um, I have other setups. A lot of the baby bins are, have very little ventilation in them. They're right. um, um, and they have like four to six inches of substrate in a lot of those okay. baby bins. And right. I really don't even water just makes a mess in there. So um, I'll put a water bowl in there maybe once a week. And uh-huh. it's like, Hey, that's your time to fill up. And um, if they use it, they use it. And if they don't, they don't. And I, I haven't had an issue with it. I know there's a lot of people that want to keep water out there um, all the time and available, but with, you know, a ton of baby monitors running around, I've found myself changing water every day. And um it just all they would do is run through it or it'd have a pile of dead crickets floating in the water bowl. So, <laughs> right, right. We're just gonna eliminate this problem and see what happens. And for my setups, I haven't had any real issue with um water for these animals. So Okay. Okay. It's not like uh, you have to install plumbing or drains or anything like that, like water monitors yeah. or something like that. No. I, yeah. I stay away from those species for I love Mertens, but um yeah, it's it's. <laughs> it's I don't clear. need a water feature. Yeah, right, right. Until I have an employee I can pay in Ackies, then uh, <laughs> I'm not keeping curtains. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess. So, where's your? What's your thoughts on what do you do? And I'm just gonna time out here real quick. So, okay. Uh, Alan what does that mean? I'm just going to throw in this plug. <laughs> we're not here explaining we're, the rules to you. <laughs> <laughs> we're sort of skimming the surface, right? We're just we're just sort of taking a, a basic overview, and right now we're focused on Ackies. And Scott has a question that I'm going to hit on in a in a minute. But um, I I want to just throw out there that you know uh, Alan and Kai do a, a podcast every week called the Mo- the keeping the monitor keeping podcast, where you guys go more in depth into right. these things and 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 back and forth between the two of you and you've had some guests on there and whatnot um so if if you're looking to like really you know like like really get into the into the into it it's probably recommend to go listen to that to to, to sort of yeah. uh, check it out you know what i mean so yeah that's why i'm trying to keep it sort of like you know uh, you know kind of like push them over there so they can uh we, yeah. We're gonna spark some interest, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's that's, what, that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, as far as um, UV and stuff like that, do you have any any? Th- I know you guys talk to Ryan. We talk to Ryan. <laughs> um, what's your what's your thoughts? And do you provide it? What what where do you where do you fall with that? I oh, oh, oh. I, I answer people honestly. <laughs> so, um, and throughout the podcast, even the episodes when we had Ryan on. Um, and I've, I've talked to Ryan before and I've said, Hey man, I, I don't use UV in most of my setups for monitors. Um, so still right now I don't use UV in most of those setups. I think I might have it in three or four cages, um, setups, but we're talking out of 30 cages or so, mm, you know? Okay. Um, so for most of my Australian stuff, I don't use, um, UV, um, UVB at all. I haven't. Um, I've. I, I. I'm still waiting to see the difference that I'm supposed to see in my animals, you know. Um, and I just don't. The, the animals are doing fine. They're looking fine. They are active. Uh, I'm not having huge medical issues uh, that I'm seeing anywhere. 
across the board in those animals. Um, you know, some of these are laying four or five clutches for me, and I'm not seeing any issues in not only the adults, but the, the babies that they're producing and now their babies, babies. So, um, and this isn't just true for me. I mean, this is 30 plus years of not using UV or UVB um, that people, so, and this, you know, this is um, something I've discussed with Ryan as well. Um, and so you get the people that say monitors need UVB and I would mm -hmm. say, they don't. Okay. That's just, it's been proven across 30 years of keeping monitors. Most of the dwarf monitors we have here wouldn't be here or yeah, if they needed UVB, they wouldn't be here because Frank kept them indoors for most of the dwarf monitors mm -hmm. and didn't use UVB and he bred thousands of them. Um, so am I, is it right? And see, I don't know that. So Frank is, you know, he's, he didn't keep UVB at all, right? No. No. Okay. Um, he now he had outdoor setups uh, for some of his larger animals. Um, okay. So like the lace monitors, um, they could go outdoors and indoors. Um, mm -hmm. But for most of his dwarf, they were cattle troughs with a regular incandescent light bulb uh, for years that he produced thousands of animals. And um, you know, it's so weird that it's like I should have asked Rob this, and yeah. I, I wonder if he told me. But all of all of his time at Pro Exotics, if they use UVB, because I know he's a big proponent of of, the, of Frank's yeah. approach. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what they they did. So I don't remember yeah. them using. I could be wrong, but I I remember them using cattle troughs in a similar way with the the bulbs, um, your regular incandescent type of bulbs or halogen bulbs, um, to my knowledge, they weren't keeping them with that either. And I can almost picture the, the cages with their little logo still up there, you know, but this, you know, um, so then the question comes down to, is there an added benefit and kind of like an unseen benefit mm -hmm. to the animals that UVB can provide? And um, even though I don't use it in most of my enclosures, I'm still messing around with it. I'm testing it. I got, right. I think, three different meters now, and I'm trying to uh, – I got a, a UVC meter on the way. So Because I want to know for myself, do any of these things – are they putting out UVC? So I got, yeah. like, uh, meters that kind of span the different um, UV spectrum, and I'm trying to figure it out for myself. Um, do these really – you know, matter? Does it matter for, and I'm talking monitors specifically. So. I mean, I think, so I, I, I know, I know I've had this talk with Rob, but yes, uh -huh. the, the argument that I would say is like, okay, maybe they don't necessarily need it. Right. But overall, is it going to make the animal healthier? So my thought is, and, and again, with, you know, whether we're talking, I'm going to switch back and forth between carpet pythons and monitors, right? So, like, uh, even blue tongue skinks, right? So, I have all three of those. Mm -hmm. I, uh, my thought is, is that if an animal is out basking like a diamond python, I can only imagine that somehow that is beneficial to them. I don't know if they necessarily need it, but... I, you know, I'm sort of on the fence still with it. Is it is it wrong to provide it? I guess 
it can't you know you know what i'm saying it's kind of like I, one of those I, things like yeah. yes we've done it this way for this long and and we've done it without it um and clearly it works but right. are we missing See? something by doing that i don't know and you know and the thing with i think for me is being a, a python guy first it's you know I, I don't know it's just i'm sort of just defaulting that lizards are baskers you know i mm -hmm. mean they're out they're basking. They're under that sun. You want to try to replicate the sun as much as possible. Now, in fairness, I have UV on my Ackies. I never yeah. seen it go under it at all. Right. <laughs> like they're they're on the, the they're under the hot lamp, the heat lamp. Right. Now I'm not watching them 24 seven, but I never ever ever catch them anywhere near that UV light. So right. I I still have it. Now in in the opposite with the blue tongue. I see mm -hmm. it in the in there all the time. It's basking under that UV all the time. Diamond pythons under the UV all the time. So yeah. I, I don't. Is it an animal thing? Is it an animal specific thing? I don't know. I, you know. Um, one question. If I if I if I go back just a second, um, just so uh, we say, do you have? Are they exposed to natural light at all through windows in your warehouse or anything no. like that? No, mm -hmm. well, and, and then a lot of things that I want to uh, kind of touch on for because I've had this question before is uh, right. UVB doesn't penetrate through regular glass, even a regular glass cage, it doesn't penetrate. Um, so you're not getting that spectrum, you're just getting the actual heat from the sun coming through there, and maybe some other point of the spectrum. But to my knowledge, UVB and most UVA doesn't even go through the uh your regular glass unless it's specifically designed to allow it to pass through. Mm -hmm. yeah um, that's what I'm, that's what i think i've been told too yeah so um so if they're looking for anything it's maybe they just they know what a sun you know what the sun is mm -hmm. and they know it brings heat and they like it uh, you know it, it's something that i'm going to continue to mess with and because i want to i want to use the best for my animals too sure but yeah, I, yeah, yeah i haven't seen mm -hmm. a difference either now that doesn't right. stop me from using the new products that are out there, testing them out and seeing if I see a difference. But um, right. I'm now, yeah, a few of my own generations in. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys think this way, but I kind of think we're at this weird spot in the reptile hobby where the technology has come has advanced so far that our 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 way of thinking about keeping these animals hasn't yet taking the same jump you know what i'm saying you know you know what yeah, i mean like it, I, I it, this is, it's it's sort of working so why mm -hmm. change it a lot of people have that attitude um if 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 i've done this for so long and i haven't had any issues why change it like why would you tweak it you know like mm -hmm. you know but at the same time the more and more we learn about them um i think it's just in that experimental stage where I don't know if I necessarily buy into it that they have to have it. You know, I, I would imagine that some species do. Mm -hmm, right. um, and then there's probably other species maybe that will benefit from it. But do yeah. they, you know, they don't need it necessarily. Does that makes sense. I think that too. That's why I, I will continue to mess with it. And like, I, yeah. I can, I can sit and say, you know, um, I don't use it. And Ryan would say, uh, you got to have it, you know, <laughs> and hmm. but the, the fact is we're, we're both producing animals. We're both producing mm -hmm. monitors and the, the internet gets divided on this, but you know, I have Ryan's number. He has my number and I can call him up and Hey, how's it going? How's things going? You know, and right. um, mm -hmm. Hey, 
I'm messing around with, oh, I can't wait to check out your new product. I want to run it through my little meters and see if I see a difference. And then we're, you know, off and doing our thing. So it's not like there's this, we're, we're head to head colliding over anything. We're having an actual discussion. Right. He's, his whole thing, he's after the best for these animals and bringing new technology in. And you're exactly right, Eric. We won't know what that is until we start getting it in, messing around with things. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to so, take some time to see if there even is a result because, right. you know, even then it might just be like, say, if I plug it in for my wet lips and they start breeding, was it the UV? Was it the fact that there was a light there all of a sudden now? I mean, right. So I'm messing yeah. with UVB. <laughs> you know those little cage cleaners, those buffalo beetles you get in a bag of crickets. Uh, yes, yeah. they're my test bugs now too. I was, <laughs> I, I will <laughs> put a UV light happens. on them, yeah, and uh, to test to see if it kills. I figure if it kills them off, then we got a problem. If it doesn't kill them off, then I might test on something else. So, like right now, and and I just realized what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I have You're, in my kids' room a UV setup that I'm testing out. My poor kids. Uh, I really we're testing that. the children. If it kills the children, then we won't put it in the lizards. I got it. Don't worry. We understand. Wink. Yeah. So, yeah. I just I just realized what I'm doing. No, no, um, oh shit. No, there. Yeah, it's the it's kids not pointing directly at the kids. Don't worry, everybody. Um, I think yeah. I think I think the other thing too is uh, for me, right? You know, especially with monitors because there's such a visual. You know, I, like I said at the beginning, I could watch mine for hours and hours. Mm. You know, just what they're doing and how they're doing things, and it's like having this little chunk of Australia right in my you right. know, my house and whatnot. So, like anything that can induce behavior that mm. I ne might not see, uh, you know, I'm all for it. You know, whether that means, uh, you know, an example would be I kind of have this rock background type of thing. And just to see them utilize that, you know, climbing up and, you know, it, yeah. it's just the things that you normally wouldn't necessarily have if you're just sort of keeping it in a trough. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah. I, I think maybe that's the, you know, that's sort of my approach you know, I, I just want to try to, uh, especially with the with the, the monitors and the lizards and stuff like that. I I, I really want to watch them because, I mean, I, I think that's the 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 advantage that you know keeping a lizard as opposed to a snake, and why maybe people are more more drawn towards you know lizards and stuff because they do more, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> legs, but it's always legs. That being said, when you just keep a snake in a box and, there, and there's nothing there, well, they're not really going to do much, you much, know what I mean? Right. And then when you start to add things that, you know, uh, that could induce behavior, uh, then then you start to see these things, you know, so. Oh, man, yeah, that uh, you, you made a link, Eric, to uh, that, what is it, the natural keepers or something? uh youtube oh, and they're finding yeah. all those green trees yeah wasn't that like i i admittedly i don't pay a lot of attention to the green tree community and that's nothing right. against them that's just i don't think I, they I do don't. either but yeah. i don't think well i mean they <laughs> they kind of do whatever they want anyway yeah. right but after watching that video i'm like well shoot you should have basically any kind of branches or leaves even you know that they can grab onto and then a vertical stump that they can crawl up and, uh, you know, um, yeah. they use a lot more than, than we realize in mm -hmm. the things they're doing. So uh, I think racks work, and I use a ton of racks, um, cages work. But, yeah, for anything, the the more you give them, yeah, you probably will see different behaviors, you know. Um, yeah. And that's awesome to see. It's just 
we kind of got to ride that fine line between what we can keep sometimes in a bedroom or in, mm-hmm. you know, a very small space, as opposed to giving an animal, uh, this area where you can just watch them be an animal. And, um, but I find it interesting. That's where my mind goes a lot to uh, a lot of animals trying yeah. different things. I think the other distinction that has to be made, and I'm going to continue to try to preach this on the podcast <laughs> as much as I can, is there's definitely a difference between somebody that's a breeder and somebody that's a keeper. Yes. You, yeah. know, uh, you know, a keeper is keeping, you know, even if they have 20 reptiles you know uh you know to some people that may be small collection but to people that are keeping that may be a big collection because you have all these big enclosures and stuff like that your 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 perspectives are going to be different you know i mean Mm -hmm. if you're a breeder you're trying to make life simple and you're trying to you know because you're keeping a a large amount of of animals especially if you're doing it as a as a full-time gig right because you have to produce a lot in order to be able to be able to do it you know so like i think sometimes breeders get this thing like ah that's not gonna work and why are they doing that it's a waste of time yeah well yeah i guess maybe it is if you're breeding you know but like at the other side of it if you were in keeping you want to enjoy those behaviors and stuff like that yeah you know i don't know (laughs) You know, it's a funny argument that I, I hear is uh, that whole uh, comparing mice and rodents to the McDonald's hamburger and how healthy it is first thing. <laughs> and just me, I sit back and I understand what they're trying to say. And I, I tend to some degree agree with it, too. But at the same time, I'm like, OK, well, let's if we're going to apply a, a thing like McDonald's, a human thing to animals, what do you do for yourself? The same the, the mm-hmm. same person that's preaching this, the keeper. Do you sleep on the best mattress? Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? Do you take your vitamins? Are you feeding yourself all organic foods? You know, it's yeah. like, no, no. we make a, make a compromise somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So uh, we do the same yeah. thing with our animals. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's always a sticky thing, right? Because they yeah. don't choose to be, you know, what we choose to do only affects uh, us, I guess. But like you're sort yeah, but, of taking on this responsibility. But yeah, yeah, I I, I totally agree with you because. But they're not going to get I, everything they absolutely need in nature. That's well, why you're never going to be able die. to replicate nature. Well, no, because it's like how it's many just times? Not. Remember that coach right. that we found in Texas? It looked rough as shit. And it, <laughs> he, he was skinny and all this other stuff. And it was like, all right, well, he's in his natural habitat. He has everything he's need. He needs what happened. Like it's right. So, I mean, you can try to provide everything you can, but if the standpoint of a breeder is that they have, I mean, we sit here and Eric and I'm like, like 200 snakes. That's so many. These people produce a thousand snakes a year, big breeders. Yeah. And you have to burn through that many tubs. Probably more. If you're going to clean a whole thing, a like the whole facility in a day, like, come on. Right. So, <laughs> They can't really spend to have to go sifting through the snake that's hiding underneath the plant that they planted and all that other stuff. So, and the same thing, to be honest with you, a lot of zoo stuff, they have the enclosures in the front of the house that people see, <laughs> but then they have the enclosures in the back of the house. And yeah. when you go to the back of the house, it's like, oh, slant front Neodesha. Like, yeah. this is his zoo. They have money to burn. So it's, yeah. 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 
I, I, I didn't mean to get us so into the controversial oh, topics of stuff. We're going there. We're <laughs> yeah. going there. Well, you know, I think it's something else. I, I just know that <laughs> UV is is usually one of those ones, and I just wanted to get that off the table. But uh, well, yeah, real quick yeah. on that too is um, yeah. like like Kai, my the other host on the, the podcast. Um, he he uses UVB um, and swears by it. So yeah. Somebody could come on and ask us the same question, and all I can do is give them my honest answer and experience and what that is, and Kai will in turn give them theirs. And so it's like, hey, if you want to use it, no, like my when I first got 2018, started keeping mm-hmm. Ackies again, I kept UVB, um, and then I stopped. I don't, I couldn't even tell you why, but I stopped. But then I didn't notice a difference, and then I started messing around with babies and not keeping animals with it keeping animals with it and um, you know, just kind of, I'm still in the middle of testing things out for myself and it's something I kind of want each person to do. You you talk a lot about student of the serpent, but in that sense, it's just student of the the animal, watch your animal. And Mm, if you start seeing a a problem, address it. And um, hopefully we won't see those problems and need to address. Hopefully you'll be above those with your husband. I think I think I think a, a perfect example is this. Like if you look at, you know, just just here, right? I'm in this room. It's I think the ambient temperature is probably like 70, 75 degrees uh, as your average or whatever. But you're talking like 68 percent humidity as mm-hmm. opposed to like where Rob's at. He'll be lucky if he hits 10, <laughs> 15, you know, so you have to adapt to that that to that to that environment so like you know uh, trying to figure out so like he may have to mist his stuff he may have to make sure that it has water and 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 all these things that maybe don't really affect here but like i think sometimes when people are on you know podcasts or on youtubes or stuff yeah it may it's starting to change a little bit but i think like a lot of times it'd be like wow i don't do nothing i don't do anything right but you, but you don't even know uh, what's going on in your room. So, like, really being, you know, really having a dialed-in room. Like, I think of Matt Minotola in his room, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's got temperature gauges all over the Everywhere. place. And, like, he's got them on the ceiling. He's got them on the floor. He's got, you know, like, he's got fans shooting in all these directions. To your point, right? I think probably what you're trying to say, Alan, is, like, you're playing around with these different things and experimenting to try to figure mm-hmm. out what's best for what's going on in the room, you know, right. I mean, you know, cause everybody's room is going to be different. So you have to sort of understand what the basics are and try to dial it in from there, you know, just because like, and, and to your point, maybe I don't need a big humid hide for my Ackies because they're experiencing more humidity say than they would. And the, you know, I only have to have, you know, a, a, a foot of dirt as opposed to, I don't know, two feet of dirt or, you know what I mean? Or (laughs) Mm -hmm. whatever it would be, that's probably not real numbers or whatever, but uh, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, what's here on the East coast, as opposed to the West coast, as opposed to middle of the U S as opposed to in Europe, as opposed to in Australia. I mean, you're talking uh, so much, so many, so many different things that come into play. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Yeah, it's it's keeping your own way to that degree and figuring out what works for you what works for your animals and sometimes you're going to be the person that pioneers what to do or just thinking a little outside of the box by 
looking at your animal and fixing a problem or uh, right. coming up with a new idea to address that problem. And then, right. and then share it with the rest of us, you know, tell us what works. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't keep it to yourself. I mean, come right. on now. Yeah. Right. So, so, okay. So we, we've talked about the heat. We talked about the UV. We've talked about the caging, the dirt, all that. So let's talk a little bit about feeding. Like what's your approach? Do you do the very diet? Are you doing pinkies? Are you doing not doing pink? Like what's your Hot dogs? Like, what is it? I, I do Dog a very, yeah. very diet out of necessity. <laughs> so they eat oh, okay. so much. It's like, all right, I'm out of crickets. I'm, I'm, it's Tuesday and I'm out of crickets till next Tuesday. So, <laughs> you know, let's see <laughs> right. what else we can feed you. Start, yeah. yeah. All right. Start, start, uh, start chopping up some pinks or throw some, some roaches in there. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying the grasshoppers again. I couldn't in 2020. It was just too crazy of a year with my, right. my, you know, rest of my life to, um, to try those out. But now I can be a little more hands-on each day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but my idea is definitely I I like using a varied diet. Um, the sand monitors they eat a it's it's still all meat for the most part. It's um, uh, for the adults. It's rodents, uh, chicks. I use chicken hearts and gizzards. Um, I use they like tilapia and salmon and everything. I'll go to like the uh, Asian market and buy the salmon scraps mm-hmm. and just throw them in there you know they're half covered with dirt and uh you know they're munching these things down and um so i try to mix it up but a lot of times it's just out of necessity we couldn't mm-hmm. find crickets through 2020 everybody was out of crickets and roaches so um only my my favorite animals got roaches that year <laughs> like, you're my favorite you get yeah. the cockroaches yeah <laughs> i can't dip into you that much so um um but yeah, so right now I have a couple different species of roaches. I do still pick up crickets. I have a freezer full of uh, birds and mice. And then I'll go pick up um, anything from frog legs to shellfish, um, fish scraps. And I've used it all. Um, and in my mind, it, it's working great. You know, if I have a, if you want a baby to grow fast, feed it 50% bugs and 50% meat, uh, rodents and stuff, and then keep those temperatures high. And, um, you're going to see an explode. Now I say that, but I also supplement any bugs that I, that I use, I supplement, I, I okay. dust, um, yeah. I use calcium plus D3 on everything. Um, okay. so that might be getting me around some of the, the, the same Indeed issues. Things, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, I, I use mixtures. Now you can slow grow something. There was a discussion just recently uh, online that uh, about using bug only diets for animals like Kimberly rock monitors. Um, and, you know, uh, as opposed to having them grow too fast using um, like rodents and mm-hmm. how it could po- potentially cause problems. And then there's different people chiming in um, on what they've done, what they've used and what they've noticed. And still to this day, you know, there's still a lot of debate over what works and what doesn't work. So uh, with some people saying, keep them at a really high temperature and you won't see these problems. If you keep them at a lower temperature, say a basking spot in the 120s or less, and you're feeding them a heavy rodent diet, meat diet, you might see some problems. But that's right. where on the other end, the, the amount of heat always mm-hmm. available to them puts them on this super growth path to you know breeding in six months 
So it's up to, I guess, the keeper to figure out what approach do you want to take? Both work, both have shown to work. And what kind of feeders are available to you? Uh, do you want to breed roaches? Do you have a nearby pet store that can provide crickets? Um, <clears throat> so I, I kind of try to wrap people's minds around that and the availability. And uh, there's some people where, especially younger keepers, they they might say, the parents might say, yes, you can keep an animal, but um, you, we'll go get crickets, but I'm not letting you keep any frozen rodents in the... Uh, <laughs> in the right. We're not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> the peas and carrots and the hagen So, <laughs> um, you know, you got to understand these things. And, and to a lot of the people that actually... Um, to touch on UV real quick again, if you're using like a bug only diet, I say, hey, mm -hmm. be on the safe side and throw UVB in there. And I have said that and I do say that to people. So just to clarify right. some of that, mm -hmm. um, sure. use UVB, you know, uh, dust everything. Um, and so, yeah, for my approach, I use all of that. For dwarfs to bigger animals, I use um, chopped up birds, chicks. It's interesting watching Aki's trying to figure out how to eat a, even a chick's, you know, leg or something, their wing. And they're running around with like <laughs> little chick <laughs> feathers all stuck to their face. And, uh, um, but I do it to see their behaviors too, you know, mm -hmm. um, feeding. I've actually witnessed them take a larger piece of something and then bring it to the other animals to help them rip it apart into smaller pieces. So, um, one of the interesting things um, I just started using. So Rob was here, like I said, this past week, and mm -hmm. um, it was the first time he's checking out the Ackies. Now, one of the funny things about, again, about me is I've been sort of like, I've been giving them roaches, crickets, stuff like that. Um, you know, every once in a while, I give them like a little uh, ground turkey. I've given them eggs, stuff like that. You know, so, uh, but. Um, the one that you know, I, I I just been weird. Like, well, they eat this bug. Is this bug good or whatever? So we got butterworms, and mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. smaller ackee of the group. Um, you know, first of all, like right away was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. But the interesting <laughs> thing was is that they never ate those before, so it's like they're trying to figure out how to eat them. Like, yeah. you know, you. It, I don't know. Maybe it's just me sort of thinking for it, but there, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, well, how do I swallow this? I know mm -hmm. how to do the roach, but how do I do this? And it's, it's, you know, as they sort of are like flipping around and then once they figured it out, it was like, boom, 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 boom. It's just yeah. like, you know, absolutely. Uh, it, you'll see them do different things like that with the, and they might develop different tastes. Um, right. Mm. A lot of times with roaches, uh, I have to, um, hold them on tongs so they can see the little legs moving. So right out of the gate with babies, they don't trust me enough to sit out and look at roaches. So I feed crickets until they know that the cricket bags come in and they stay out. Then I'll start trying to feed them like crickets with my hands or on tongs. And once uh -huh. they know it's coming, then I can transition to something like uh super worm. I, you know, I use super worms too. I forgot to mention that. Um, okay superworms and uh roaches because if you just leave a bowl of roaches in the in the cage there's a lot of monitors that won't even mess with them until you have upside down roaches in your cage you know because <laughs> uh, they're all <laughs> right. dead but um it's to the point where the animals that i've got keyed into those roaches i can now leave a bowl in there and they're funny they still want them to move so they'll stick their nose in there and nudge the roaches yeah once they start running, then they'll eat them you know yeah 100 um, yeah, it's like stay still, stay still. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
a little truth to that T-Rex thing. You know, you, you don't move. Yeah. You can't see you. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> to back up for one second, um, I'm curious, do you leave? So uh, Frank, uh, I didn't learn this until we were in Texas, but Frank style, uh, when I was talking to Justin and Rob, but he, they sort of lead the heat on the entire time. Uh, as opposed to what I do is I sort of cycle it. My thought, again, I'm just going by my thought of what nature happens in nature, right? You know, mm -hmm. it cools down right. at night, the sun goes down. And um, are you, uh, in fairness, though, I do have sort of uh, one of those uh, heat pads that sort of at least try to keep the ambient up a little bit. Um, are you 100% right. heat all the time or are you cutting it off at night? 100% um, heat. Uh, all, all the time, unless okay. my warehouse is at 85 degrees, then, you know, <laughs> I don't right. I, I probably have <laughs> yeah. everything off. Um, right. But 100% heat all the time. Now, I would say in the majority of my cages right now, I'm still using 24-7 uh, lights throughout most okay. of the year for the monitors. Um, okay. And sometimes that's just out of necessity because otherwise, uh, earlier on with the warehouse, it would get too cold. And right. I was afraid of having that issue, especially with the Indonesian stuff of it getting too cold. Um, right. So, but uh, once I'm in the process, actually right now of, um, Eric, I think I showed you some pictures, um, getting a bunch of new cages, building out a bunch yeah. of new cages. Um, and the idea with those is that I they will have, either from ambient heat just in the warehouse or from some kind of heat source within those cages, I want to stay at a certain temperature. I want control of the temperatures. Um, right. So they will have some kind of heating element in there. Um, right. But the plan is to actually give them a different light cycle. So not using 24 seven lights, but it's also because I've been able to add a heater, uh, different insulation, building different cages where I can now do that. So out of necessity, I had to use 24 seven right. heat lamps for most of the year. Um, so yeah, that's right. what I'm currently still doing. So, but the idea is okay. to use a light cycle, see how that affects right. the animals. Um, and then also this coming winter to cool down. I, there's no other good way to say it. I have a few, um, experimental animals that I'm going to drop down to lower degrees, like with the, with the Rettles pythons and, they come from similar areas or not the same area. So why not try it out? And I'll, I'll get back to you guys on how it works. Hopefully <laughs> right, it works. Right. I'm not yeah, sure. digging up popsicles or anything. So, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll try it out. See, see how that affects not only their lives, see how they come out of it. Um, see if that has any influence on their production. Now that I have some time to kind of judge what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, the way I've been keeping them go back and, and, and see if I see the same level or any kind of benefits or negatives to, uh, to dropping them in temperature and giving them that break in the winter time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, again, I I'm totally an amateur when it comes to monitors and stuff, but I, I just, I have that approach for my snakes. That's what happens in the wild. Now maybe, mm -hmm. you know, they have, they're exposed to, higher temperatures in some way that i don't know about but um i don't mm -hmm. know i i would think that things need that uh that cycle so i guess if somebody's out there and they say i'm wrong then you know i don't know let me know yeah. <laughs> i can adjust but well, uh i'm sort of going by what you know what, yeah i think i think 
both work. You can't go wrong with that. Um, right. My own experience, obviously 24 sevens work. And I know that in the past, Frank was doing the same thing with a lot of yeah. monitors, 24 seven work, but then you have other very successful keepers too, you know, giving them a, a down period at night and right. they're doing just fine. Um, one of the ones I'm really interested in trying this with, of course, is Kimberly rocks because they are a little more finicky. So, now we're talking my favorites <laughs> of all. <laughs> you know, um, I was going to figure out how we were going to transition into them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're so and what will play. <laughs> you can't just bring them up. Yeah. You have to slowly ease into it over yeah. an oh, hour yeah, and man. a half or close to two hours Dude, they, now. They are the coolest they are. monitor. Like somebody took a Belfast lace and shrunk it. Yeah, well, it's not yeah. even that. They have like this bird head and like they're they mm-hmm. super long. I, I don't know, man. They they look like Aboriginal art on their back and oh, man, mm-hmm. they're just wow. Yeah, they're they were a dream for me, and in a way, they still are. You know, I, I really want to dial them in. I've sworn Kai to uh, to figuring them out, and a few other people. Like we're we're not giving up on this project, not till it's like in stone you can do this you know these are the parameters and to success and figuring them out because um let's see i have killed four of my own uh right uh, one known female and then three babies so fortunately it looks like my the rest Damn of my babies, yeah <laughs> it looks like the rest of my babies are um i have two pairs which is awesome they're they're sub adults now um so I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, future success and then um, more success with their babies and so on. But, yeah, they're they're something else. They are a trip. Uh, even in, I think each monitor species has their thing that they do a little different, um, even if it's a Nile being an asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, Kimberly's are definitely they're interesting. They're they're very interactive animals. Um, they have their own attitude to being interactive, the way they watch you, the way they tongue flick in some ways, um, the way they even tilt their head to look at you to see what you're doing sometimes, um, the way they can like puff up their throat. They'll even do this thing where they wiggle their tongue when they're doing this like threat display. Um, they do this like side posture, kind of half curled puff up and, and wiggle their tongue with the whole throat out. And uh, it's pretty funny. So they're that's cool. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot I can say bad about them. I just want to figure them out so I can, you know, keep them healthy and alive. <laughs> they do sound awesome. They're they're probably one of my favorite of the smaller guys just yeah. because they look so cool. And it's Australian. So that automatically kind of gets it into my wheelhouse. Yeah. So I'm hoping Eric gets some so that I can play with them and then I leave. Uh-huh. After I play with them, and then he has to do all the care, and then I don't. So, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I think I shared it with Eric, but I sent him like uh, Riley some months ago when I first heard Eric that you got Aki's. I sent him my my um, I don't know you call it a manifesto oh, or yeah. my my blueprints on how to uh, <laughs> to destroy the make it the monitor um, uh, reptile podcast and everything. And, uh, <laughs> Slowly, and, slowly destroy us. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, you know, basically the Kimberly rock monitors were the key to the, the overthrowing the empire. Yes. <laughs> that, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> you have to, each one of us has a chink in our armor. Yes. And that's definitely yeah. Eric. So, 
Mine the is other ones going to be a little bit more elusive. Yeah. The <laughs> other ones I really like are the the Pilbaras. I think that they're amazing as well. You yes. Know? I mean that they're. Uh, oh yeah. They're the next step up in yeah. uh, dollar signs, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what I They're they're a little hard to find right now, and um, yeah. I've kept them in the past, and um, they're awesome. I will say that right. I like the Kimberleys more. My own yeah. personal experience, but uh, I look so, at the chance with the, the pills. Is it is it behavior wise that you like them more, or is it? Yeah, know, they were yeah. jerks. <laughs> really? <laughs> I had a uh, I had a male that man. He liked to bite me, and he would do the whole like um, bulldog down where he he'd look up at me, you know, and then close his eyes and bite down a little bit harder. And oh, of course, a that jerk. Yeah. At the time, uh, you got this three thousand dollar lizard hanging from your finger. It's like, no, don't, don't hit it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's not much you can Take do. The it's pain. Like, I don't want to drown the yeah, Just let it after. happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Um, uh, yeah. Well. Um, so yeah, Eric will fold for. Uh, uh, you know all those guys. I I have to go parenti. You'll have to get a parenti to well, defeat me. Yeah. Parenti. I mean. Oh, see, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, parentes are the that's the dream see, species. See, one but. lizard could knock us both out. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. screw they're Komodo cool, dragons. Man. Who cares? About I want to, yeah, Komodos, they're all one color. You yeah, know, give I me love something when, cool. Uh, Scott sends pictures of his parentes. It's just like, what the? Oh my goodness. Like, we're saying yeah. this, and Amazing. Scott's like, Psh, I'm gonna go outside and poke one. I'm like, you know, yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, but but in fairness, we have our animals too that they sit there and they're like, wait, you can just walk we outside. Got, Eric and I, Eric and I got to see timber rattlesnakes. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> don't hurt me. <laughs> you know, people can use that excuse, but it still doesn't take away my love for Australian reptiles. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I can pretend all I want, but if right. you're gonna give me a uh horn lizard or, or uh, like, oh, there's a diamond python there yeah Weird. yeah it's, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's still the mecca you know i would say yeah. yeah i would i would honestly say australia and probably our southwest is just you know the the stuff you can find there is you know probably worldwide uh, as mm. far as interest you know you know, Nipper made the argument that we have such a, a, a wide variety of snakes, and we do. You know, we have, mm -hmm. whereas Australia has more of it's either an elapid or a python, right? I, okay, you know, yeah, okay, I, I understand that. But when you're talking about lizards, that's a whole nother ball game, man. Oh, yeah. and to me, yeah. you know, Australia is just the place if you're into lizards. I mean, the in my coolest opinion, lizard you know? that we could have here in the States is Gila Monster. Oh yeah, and then after Gila Monster, there's like a very big gap to the next one. I don't even know right. who it is. Like, and I and I mashed beat it in there too. So it's like beat it in Gila. Then after that, it's like I don't it's, know. It's um, a big jump. Definitely not the size that they have, or their no, no. It's just the the level of coolness. So yeah. it's like Gila Monster beat it, and then what comes second? I can't. I mean, collared lizards. I those guess bright aqua flame, yeah, or the uh, those yeah. leopard lizards, you know, those are yeah. cool too. But no, they're not. I'm, I'm not pissing trying to a say lot of people don't. off by this. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, so many I mean, people are yelling at their thing right now, and it's great. Seeing the horned lizards were was amazing. I mean, they're yeah. really cool, yeah. very very cool in Texas and all that. I, I'm not trying to take it away any of that, but I'm just saying, for me personally, I can't under that. Uh, you know. 
I, you know, we have rattlesnakes. Okay, I understand. Yep. You know, All right, but yeah, like, cool. I, they make noise. I, I don't know. And and yeah. most of the cool stuff is out west. You know, I mean, there's all the rattlesnakes are out west. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how we got off of the the. <laughs> we Man, went where are we? Every once in a while, we have to take a look up. And be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, how did we get here? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fitting that you know, kind of the the same niches of thing. I think I heard you say it once that rat snakes kind of fill. The, uh, yeah, the carpet the python. Carpet. Yeah, yeah, they're like our carpet yeah. python. Right, and I had the same thought when I'm I'm holding a um, a Stimson's python next to a gopher snake. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I'm like, they're the same snake, you know, they're the same color. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, Nick was like, yeah, they probably fit the same, basically space in both places. So I think there are some similarities with some of the things we keep, or just the the roles that they fulfill, like. Uh, in my opinion, and maybe this is totally off, but you know, your Womas and Blackheads remind me of Indigos. Totally in, in different yeah. environments, but yeah. they're kind of that I mean, cleanup they're, crew. They're a flying <laughs> yeah, mouth man. with like you know, open mouth that'll pretty much shove whatever it gets in right. there. I I right. buy it. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, hate so I, Womas. Yeah. Womas and I don't get along right now. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> yeah. Uh you know, uh uh, I'm going back. Oh, wait. Oh, my goodness. Jesus Christ, what's going on <laughs> There's here? There's a lot of stuff that was going on. Eric would stab Owen with a dull sport. sport. Yeah, for Parenti. <laughs> that, that is true, and that's been... He tells me that every night when like we're hoping. Owen, I'll kill you with a spork for a Parenti. Thank you, Eric. Good night to you, I, too. So, I may. I may do that. But, uh, but I mean, would uh, he be able to reach my um, chest, or would he just be jabbing I don't know. me around? Uh, like my, what about... Uh, Stomach area that's as high. I as probably reach. would be stabbing your shins, right? Yeah, like, ah, <laughs> you know, it hurts my knee. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this because I know that uh, how it flows out of my Philadelphia accent is not gonna work well. But Clemo Palma, I said it wrong. I know I did. I butchered it. I apologize. Oh yeah, yeah, those are cool. For uh, shame, monitor out there. Yeah, and nobody can tell him different. Apparently. No, yeah. What, what's your thoughts? Black Do you have you don't have those? Oh, I wish. You know, I think they were there was a couple animals here throughout the years, but um, yeah. from what I understand, they're a little difficult to keep. And yeah. um, um, I would I would also make the argument to some degree that even if we were to bring over a new species of Australian lizard. If it was wild caught, it's still going to have to go through some kind of adaptation to a totally different hemisphere, different time zones, you know. Um, so yeah. it would take some work to get them established, just like it did all their predecessors, you could say. But uh, those glebos, there, I want to have those too. That's the honest. Now, for all the Australian monitors, in my opinion, um, sand monitors are it. That those were my favorite, and I get to mm -hmm. keep them. So I'm I'm happy on that level. But uh, Glebos are definitely. Let me think about it real quick. Yeah, they're that's, number that, two. I wish we could have. Them. I. Well, I mean, that would be cool. Like, can you imagine somebody bringing like we're talking a bearded dragon, like one of those black bearded dragons and stuff like that, like uh -huh. fresh out of the bush and putting it oh, in a yeah. bin next to like <laughs> what's considered a normal bearded dragon? Like, right. What? What? Like the contrasting between the two would be incredible, and yeah. I would be. It would. I think that if you brought like say a pair of bearded dragons straight out of the bush into the US 
I would want to say that some bearded dragon breeders might have trouble with them because they're not going to act like the shit they've been dealing with for years. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I I jumped on Facebook. Big mistake, right? Yeah. Why'd you um, do that? I am I am slowly moving away from Facebook, and I, I'm seeing the light that Instagram is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Phil has uh, Phil and Rob have told me that that's uh, the way to go. Listen to his uh, his whole TED Talk thing on when you were herping with him, weren't you? What? <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. Nothing. Oh, go okay. ahead. All right. <laughs> anyway, just um, just let it go. <laughs> yeah. It's, whoo. Out there, I think I anyway, can read between the lines and figure it out. Or, though it's more uh, shame. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, I jump on Facebook and mm -hmm. there was a, a picture of this bearded dragon that somebody was holding like this. And oh, that really, like really fat it was one. So yeah. fat. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. how can anybody think that that's okay? I just, uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some people don't know and. And the problem is, is that uh, the edu the educating of the of the people who don't know is sometimes very hard, tragic, and has a bunch of dead lizards around it. So yeah. you know it. Well, when you guys were over there, did, what monitors did you see? Uh, that one that ran up a tree, and the one that got away from us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine it was pretty much oh, just like we did so we see saw it parenti, but apparently it was behind glass and they wouldn't let me touch it. Oh, so, no. um, so, so here's an interesting thing: we did see, um, we did see a sand monitor, right? Yep. And uh, the one, the one got away. Yes, um, we really don't know what species it was, but that's probably what it was. But interestingly. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody talks about heat with them, right? And yeah. I think we talked about this before, but this thing was overheating, like mm -hmm. you know, because Quickly. that's it was stuck out in that sun, and we were sort of like looking at it and you know whatever, and then it kind of got to the tree, and um, yeah, it <laughs> it was uh, oh, yeah. it was trying. You could tell it was, it was open mouth like, breathing. Uh, it was it was yeah, not. It was, it was hot. Yeah, it was hot, so, and it was it was hot out there. So the I guess they don't like they're probably basking for a period to bring them to a temperature and then they're not you know the, mm, right. the idea that they want to be in 150 degrees all the time i, I don't know it, that showed me that that's not the case and then the other one that right. we saw that was was well, so we saw on the first trip we saw scolaris which was was pretty cool um yeah and uh the the main thing that we saw was the mertens and mm -hmm. i Dude, yeah, those, it, those we were at this yeah, we park and they were just everywhere I, I, it was the coolest thing ever you know i mean it was just like uh, a big group of them just come out of the jungle and... we just kind of walked into their house and they just kind of let us so yeah. it's like you know finding them yeah but we kind of just wandered to where they yeah. were so were they in and out of the water yeah uh, oh yeah, yeah there was 100%. there were a few that were swimming and then yeah if we got too close to a female, because it was like the girls were all up against the riverbank pointed at the water, and the male was the one who was just walking around in between us and the girls. Yeah. Uh, if we got too close to a girl, they would just jump in the water. See, that's awesome. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, that's uh, cool behavior to see. You know, it, it, you talk about the one that was darting away and overheating, or I think mm -hmm. it was trying to get away, it was overheating. Yeah. Um, I think about these things, not only heat, but. Um, uh, the way they're using go. the sun, you know. There it is. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. That oh, was that it. looks like a sand monitor. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
What kind? Shoot, I don't, I don't know. know. It looks real similar to um, to my my sand monitors. So, but who knows? Yeah, that that thing's awesome looking. Um, yeah, it was cool. Cool to see for sure. I love yeah. how they just have these like Popeye forearms and claws. You know. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I've tried to put stuff in their cage for them. You know, like decorations on top. I think they just want more sand in their cage. That's that's <laughs> the subtrade just gets deeper for those. Um, they they do half their stuff underground, and and that's you know even the babies they're just little subterranean animals that come out and bask and come out for crickets. Yep, that was the Scalaris we saw. That was uh, those are cool. Yeah, Similis look very similar to that. Um, I think they're both still kind of called tree monitors or spotted tree monitors. Um, but uh, that one's yeah, that one's, that's cool. It's I can't wait cool to see and some of the variation I see from some of these guys in Australia. You know, they're posting little pics or videos. It's like mm. this is a Tristus. I've never seen a Tristus like that. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> gold and green. And what was that? We went to Crocosaurus Cove and they had Ackies and they were like different colors. Like I think they had like blue ones or something like oh, that too. Yeah. Where I'm yeah. like walking through, I'm like, wait a minute, there's only supposed to be yellow or red. What the hell is this? There's like three or four or more. So, um, yeah, we yeah. don't know anything. There's <laughs> so. No, there's a huge range out there. Just, yeah. you know, it, we get so tied into what something should look like. And then they show us a picture and we're like, oh, <laughs> hey, that's, that's, uh, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's not a monkey backpack. It's not a monkey backpack. <laughs> my Indiana Jones. He bag. had his Indiana Jones purse. Yeah, <laughs> come on now. The monkey backpack was destroyed by that. <laughs> but um, I was wondering about the Mertens because this ties into like kind of the the thoughts I have about heat and UV. Um, That's where they were. The Mertens. Yeah. So all, when all they the, all along the tree line, um, yeah. they were all under there, like wherever the shade was. But we came walking around. There's the footbridge. We came walking around there. And then the male came walking up to greet us. Like, he just came. Yeah. He, zero fucks given, came walking right up to us and just kind of sat down and chilled and then kept cruising and walking around. Oh, that's um, awesome. And, yeah, I took that one video of him walking towards us. And you can see the serpentine, like, motion as he walked in. Yeah, those that's, those, that's one of the girls. Yeah. And they were just there underneath the shade. And then if you got too close, they just jumped right in the water. Yeah. So sorry, you, you were going to say about UV and your thoughts or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And now we're talking about lizards. Or <laughs> no, no, no. Whatever you're going to say about the Mertens, and you, you, mm -hmm. we sort of cut you off. So go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just wondering because I've I've seen uh, monitors in Sri Lanka out in the wild, and I was mm -hmm. watching to see kind of how they were using the sun if they were basking. A lot of the the water monitors that I saw over there were using um, the shade. And mm -hmm. uh, they, it was already hot outside. I mean, probably in the 80s, if not 90s. Um, and they're in the shade. And they're either sleeping in the shade or if we'd roll up on them, they'd kind of, you know, kind of just slither into the water. I couldn't even say they walked. It's like they mm -hmm. just slid off the embankment into the water. <laughs> into the water, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I asked this because I would see um, – like when they would come out of the water, I would see them bask for a little bit. And mm -hmm. it's like they would dry off, reach a certain temperature, and then they were in the shade. And um, and I saw the same thing with some of the uh, Bengal monitors over there where 
unless they were cruising from point A to point B, they were either coming from a point of cover and shade or they were going to a point of cover and shade. Unless you had the, you also had these animals that would just cruise around town and I don't think mm-hmm. they cared about anything. <laughs> they were like the stray dogs over there. Um, I, I think a lot of animals move in certain climates, move from shade to shade and we kind of don't figure that. It's like, ah, the temperature is this hot and therefore it must be this hot for them. Right. Okay. But they, where did you find them? Oh, in between these rock cracks where it's like 70 degrees. Okay. Right. So, yeah. And do we sometimes do a disservice when people are grabbing picks and they're purposely Mm -hmm. putting an animal on top of this rock so they get the background and that great Mm -hmm. Australian sky in the background. And for all the, uh, the, little boys like myself looking at these pictures back then, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, these animals are out in the sun all the time in Australia, but is the truth that they just use it to reach a certain operating temperature throughout the 100%. day at various times. Yeah. And then, yeah. So Eric, oh. I mean, Eric and I were having that conversation. <laughs> there he is. Um, Eric and I were having that conversation this, this weekend. We were looking for rattlesnakes because we kept passing, like rock crevices and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, the textbook, the rattlesnake would be sitting right there. And then at one point I'm like, that's because they took them and put them on the rock and then took the picture. Like they didn't find it there. They found it over there in that old tire, but like that's not a good picture. So, all right. Yeah. And so even, you know, we can look at species we have here in the States, like Mm -hmm. uh, desert iguanas, they're darting from bush to bush and they'll Mm -hmm. sit out in the sun for a little bit and then they're gone again. Um, So how much UVB is actually getting to these animals? Or are they just using the sun to reach a certain operating temperature? And, you know, there's some some um, evidence of animals that actually think their scales are getting harder and change a little bit um, mm-hmm. when they're directly out in the sun. Does UVB even penetrate a plate of armor when you have them? Or is that actually what their bodies are doing out of protection? to protect them, to protect that skin that's underneath from actually soaking in too much radiation from the sun. This is where my yeah. mind goes with things and why I'm hmm. still messing with things. Um, that's a Scott Iper question. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I'll, I'll refer to him. Yeah, but yeah. That's, a good, that's a good thought. I mean, yeah, I guess, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and who wants to go out and skin a monitor and then hold a UV meter I think that's the thing that uh, keeps me going with this stuff is just there's so much that we don't know and so much that we continue to learn and mm-hmm. you know I, I you know I, I, right that's what fascinates me about this stuff and and um you know I I think you know going and seeing it in the wild gives you definitely a different perspective uh, for sure you know because there's you just you to your point you know I, the at least for me, the perception I had before I saw these things in the wild is completely different than when I saw it in the wild, you know, right? Um, what they look like, what they're doing, where they're at, you know, just the whole perception of, of, of everything that I've had just totally up turned upside down when I, when I started seeing them in the wild. And I'm sure I, to me, it's like, it, it's like a learning in a way that you could never learn from a book from right from a per, you know what i mean it, it, you're seeing what they're supposed to be doing and um i don't know i i hope i hope at least in 2023 we can get back there you know because there's so much i have to learn in so little time yeah um but uh yeah see, I mean, there's I, there's things i want to see out in 
herping, whether it's here or over there or wherever I can get to. Um, sure. But I, I want I want to make connections with people across the world, and maybe we could be a source of information in our own mm-hmm. states when uh, you can go outside and see some sort of rat snake, or I can go outside and see uh, king snake. It's like sure sometimes we're like, Oh, it's a, it's a warm summer night. Let's go herping. Cause they're going to be out. Okay. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it kind of getting on the, the mindset of trying to find these animals and see what they're doing throughout the year. Um, yeah. Because have you ever well, like, yeah. been herping and had something totally surprise you where, Hey, sure. you're not supposed yeah. to be here right now. <laughs> and you know, that's the, that's the, that's the hard thing about learning from, uh, you know, about, just even with just taking me with Australia, right? We're only going at this one part of the year, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're not going, we're going when it's, it's optimal for us to go, you know, because if we're taking that trip all the way over there, you don't want to go during the wet season. You don't want to go and it's too dry. You, You know what I mean? You're trying to find that Goldilocks spot, but like, uh, you know, one of the questions that I had, like, what are baby carpets doing when, right. You know, they hatch out. Where are they going? What are mm-hmm. they doing? You know, uh, I mean, obviously, if you lived in Australia, you would be able to see that every day. And to right. your point, you know, we could you could be able to say what king snakes are doing and we could say what, you know, timber rattlesnakes are doing and, um, you know, have that yeah, wealth I, of information yeah. out there, you know. So I got this dream of going to like um, red light country and, and sitting up on a bluff somewhere where I know they're going to be with mm-hmm. a spotting scope and binoculars on a tripod and just sitting there for a week and, um, and scoping it out and just not only watching for that species, but what are the lizards in the area doing? What are other animals in the area doing? What times of the day yeah. are they coming out? It's like um, yeah. a lot of the, cause I, I haven't done it in a couple of years now, but um, like mule deer uh, Western hunting out here, mm-hmm. um, it was something that I learned kind of in the, the dark ages of no reptile keeping was how to look for mule deer and hunt mule deer. And a lot of it was, you know, you would take a, um, you're sitting on one mountainside looking at the other mountainside and you're picking the whole area apart like a grid with your, your optics. And while I'm out there, I'm seeing birds do things. I'm mm-hmm. seeing bobcats do things. Uh, I'm seeing the terrain itself change throughout the year as I'm trying to pattern the animals. What if we took that same idea and applied it to reptiles rather than just walk in a canyon? You know, what if we had a yeah. way to see what they're actually doing throughout a year? And, um, you know, like what are bread, what are brettles go when it's cold outside? I want to know. <laughs> what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. Are they all huddled up in a den somewhere like rattlesnakes would be, you know? Um, yeah. They, I, didn't think, I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah I, I think about these things. Do they find some like, crevice like garter snakes i guess in canada and are they all sitting in there kind of rubbing each other and uh keeping each other warmish until yeah we know that they can do it to a certain point with eggs so why couldn't they do it for survival and it's just i want to these questions you know these are my 3 a.m questions (laughs) like like, wake at night and ask your wife honey where do you think brett will go oh yeah Shut the hell up. It's like, yeah. right. <laughs> I want to watch some um, like, uh, like Aki's. I've been known and reported to live in colonies where you might see like a one off lace monitor um, walking through an area. Um, 
what about Ackies? Yeah. Yeah. And let's watch them for, let's get a known spot. Don't let anybody in there within a hundred feet and just watch what they do throughout the year. Do you have one animal? Oh, sorry. I can keep going forever with these thoughts. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, you know, you know, the whole, there's, there's a, there's a guy that Rob. So I watch a lot of like hiking, Australia mm -hmm. hiking sh uh, videos and stuff. And Rob turned me on to this guy. Josh Carr is his name. And like just seeing some of the environment shots and the, it, it, you can learn so much just from watching this kind of stuff, which is outside of the box of reptiles per se. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they stumble upon reptiles just because, I mean, if you're out there, you might go you, eventually gonna you're going to yeah. come across something, you know, but um, I mean, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. All these questions that you have, like, what are they doing when they're doing it? And, you know, I, yeah. I tried at least when I went to Texas this last time, I, I took temperatures, uh, took, you know, where this where the reptile was, what the mm -hmm. temperature was, what the temperature of the reptile was, UV reading. I took, uh, you know, what the weather was happening at the time. And, you know, one of the things that I was curious to find, just even even so much, not so much for keeping them, but like when the temperatures were this, did it, did it, did we see a lot of snakes? Did we see a little mm -hmm. bit of snakes? You know, where did we see them? At what time did we see them at? You know, it's, um, it's just very interesting to me to, to sort of like, I think it makes you a better herper, right? Because if right. you're sort of dialing in that, you know, Oh, well, you're asking questions. You'll, you'll hear them talk about it. And I guess maybe from doing the field herping podcast, I'm sort of hearing people say, oh, you know, uh, it's a good night for snake hunt. You, you know, and you'll see some people will talk the day after it rains, the day, you know, if rain is coming and you don't see them, uh, if it's too hot, you don't see them. Uh, right. we, I think that's what we experienced uh, when we were herping uh, in the Pine Barrens. It was just ungodly mm -hmm. hot. You know, it was just so hot. I, yeah, you know, the only thing I we don't got think was a you're going to see anything. Yeah. You know? So, um. I don't know. My, Lots of questions. <laughs> my no philosophy is like figure out what that animal's whatever animal you're keeping, figure out yeah. what their I guess uh springtime is and their yeah. their happy time, and then expand into the extremes off of that known happy time where right. life is good, food's available, um, things want to breed and then and then go into the other extremes to see what you can find out in the behavior but yeah i mm -hmm. try to aim for that and provide animals that happy place you know yeah and yeah. uh that's my starting point I, i've learned so much just watching animals that that dark time that i didn't have reptiles um i lived in the san Bernardino mountains down in southern california for a good right. portion of that and um, my job involved me driving the roads uh, in that mountain range for miles oh, and wow. all times of the days. Um, and, you know, I would go from 2000 feet high desert at the bottom of the mountain up to 6,500 feet in one, you know, uh, half an hour, 45 minutes, just driving the highway up and down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I would see things at different times of the year that weren't supposed to be there. I would see animals using um, different climates, um, different little zones. And it, to me, was just, it was a really good learning experience for, you know, when you're, you see this rain happen in the desert and then all of a sudden these little pink salamanders come out of nowhere. And I'm like, where, where do you even live out here? You know, where are you coming from? Right. <laughs> you're a salamander. Look around you, you know, <laughs> um, another one that, really blew my mind was I had found rosy bows out in the 
the lowland desert when it's still 110 degrees at night, you know, um, crossing the highway. And so I'm thinking this is a desert snake. They'd like to come out mm-hmm. or uh, out when it's when it's warm out. And then I, I moved up to the mountains and I find rosy boas at 62 degrees moving around like it's no problem at whatsoever, you know, and that kind of blew my mind. You're not supposed to be out. It's too cold for rosy boas. And um, yeah, I, I learned a lot just by watching uh, another one was that um, that red leg mountain frog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't follow amphibians too much, but I know it's a protected species. Okay. Um, so out of the six years that I lived there, um, there was a few years where the ground would erupt with these frogs and. It's usually during a storm. I can't remember is it the beginning or the end of a storm. Um, not when it's actively raining, but when it's like that overcast and you'd feel the mm-hmm. desert get super humid. Um, all of a sudden, these things would come out. Usually there's a uh, there's a creek that runs up one of the, like a runoff creek that runs up one of the mountains uh, or one of the highways. And mm-hmm. uh, these things would come out of nowhere. And there'd be thousands of them scattered all over the road. And I'm thinking, wait a second, these are supposed to be this endangered protected species. <laughs> and um, they're all it was the place. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> you would see them one day and cars were just murdering these things. Left oh, and God. Right. So, That's why they were protected. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole highway is covered in this like layer of squished frogs and the half of them are still, you know, jumping away. Um, and then by the next day, it, the sun came back out and they're gone. Like the little mm. cleanup crews come out. And I don't know. It just it made me think about reptiles differently. It's like we just know this much. We try to keep them during this much, and um, there's so much more to them that we don't ever see. Yeah. It's like you know, so. I think you'd be surprised. Um, so normally with this show is we hit the closing questions, and the closing questions are usually the hardest questions that we can come up with. So first. <laughs> If you could have any animal to add to your collection without any kind of stipulation, whether it be law, money, space, what would it be and why? Uh, Varanus oliviaceus, the greatest monitor from the Philippine Islands. And to me, they are awesome. They're just, uh, for those of the, the people that might not know what they are, they're a monitor that actually will also eat fruit. And <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what this one's you're talking about because I think Dennis has them at the zoo. Yeah, they uh, are so yeah. cool. They're like this yellow into this olive green, sometimes a bright green color with black bands. Um, they're a, a larger monitor. Uh, they use their their air, they're very secretive. They use their terrain, uh, like masters, and um they kind of blow my mind. They're a monitor that eats fruit. And, and they have a weird looking kind of head too. Like it's a little odd, right? Like yeah. A little bit different. Yeah. And Daniel Bennett did some work with them and um, was really, I think part of it was in order to help protect the, the forest that was getting cut down over there. But mm-hmm. honestly, these monitors were eating this fruit and then pooping it out. And the certain type of tree was growing out of, you know, they're basically replenishing the forest. So they had an important role to play in that. Um, and they just blew my mind, you know. Um, I I got to keep two of them uh, years ago. Um, I've never seen them available since. I don't think they were supposed to be here in the first place. Mm. Uh, so when I was a young, dumb kid, and uh, 
this guy had him. He had him on his price list in the back of the Reptiles magazine. And, and you're like, uh, done. Yeah. Yeah. I was that kid. I, uh, that's a whole nother story. But uh, he saw me coming a mile away. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, guy, come give me your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, they. I would love a chance to, to work with that species. Um, there's so much that I think to find out. I think that w- that's kind of what drives me is just figuring out, you know, something that's kind of new or hasn't really been kept yet. Um, so definitely the graze monitor. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. So now it would be where would you, where in the world would you want to go herping and what would you be hoping to find? Graze monitors. <laughs> no, right. yeah, okay. the, uh, always no. the answer is graze monitors. Yeah, Got it. No, that's actually, um, I, I wouldn't pick that. Honestly, I think they'd be too hard to find and I would just leave heartbroken. Um, because you had to put it back. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's, that's actually a really hard question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause of course there's Australia and who wouldn't want to go there and see what's over there. But mm-hmm. lately, I, I find myself leaning towards um, going over to Indonesia, um, you know, uh, seeing some of the islands off of there. And I don't think enough work's been done over there to really see what's over there to mm-hmm. classify. Th- you know, I think people see a monitor in a tree and they say, oh, that's a that's a tree monitor. And uh, <laughs> that's a python. And there you um, go. Oh, see, they just they're incredible animals they're so different in um their coloration from a lot of things they're large they're not a uh they're not a water monitor they use the trees they eat fruit um yeah i just i hope to one day get my hands on some yeah those are cool Uh, yeah so uh but i think yeah i'd like to go over to uh if whether it's roadie or roddy island Hmm. uh I want to go there. There's a there's a uh, resort there that I've kind of been looking at called the Seed Resort. It's kind of famous for surfing, okay. Um, but it's it's like a five star resort, and it's it's a really nice place. So well, that's hell. Right. I'm selling the wife on this. I'm like, hey, mm. babe, it's uh, <laughs> you can stay here. I'll go myself. Yeah, yeah. It's... tropical paradise. Let's oh yeah, let's go into the jungle for that that zip yeah. line or whatever. You know, let's go float on those boats out there and. Uh, uh, we did that in Sri Lanka. She had to basically hold on to my belt loop. I'm trying to jump out of the boat for every little thing I see on the banks. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, awesome. I think if I had the choice, I'd go somewhere in Indonesia right now. Awesome. So uh, are you adding anything to your collection this year or are you going to try to get into any projects or is there a project that you really want to get into? Eee. Um, I know the ones I want to get into. Sometimes mm-hmm. things fall in my lap. So of course, with that uh, caveat, yeah, <laughs> with that space available for things that might just appear, um, Angolan pythons are still there. Still on the in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I really want to work with those. Um, and there are a few monitor species that, if they somehow came available and everything worked out right, uh, Spencers. I mm-hmm. really want to work with Spencer's um, and uh, yeah, there's, I still want to work with the, the Gillini and um, some of the other ones don't have my interest as much, but if, if Pilbara's came available again, I'd like to work with Pilbara's. Um, so 
you know, as I hatch stuff out, if there's other people working with other things, <laughs> want to do a trade, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, send snakes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, definitely pick up on a few more monitors that I, I personally want to work with. Um, now, I'm thinking more in two years or so. What it's it's I want to get the dwarf Indo species really established. Mm-hmm. I want to get the babies in the hands of other keepers that I know will put their best foot forward to keep these going, so that we can have a couple different groups throughout the U.S. Um, so we can do our best to preserve these groups. That's kind of where my focus is, just with what I'm dealing with and the the babies I'm I'm raising right now. Mm-hmm. Um, once I meet that goal and I feel confident that they're not going to go anywhere, then I want to branch out into some other Indo species that might disappear. Um, you know, blue tail monitors are up there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they're all up there, but blue tail monitors probably be close to the top of what I want to work with. But that takes a lot of preparation to talk about a large animal a that could one. hurt me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that will, they're wild caught. They need to, adjust to yeah. time over here. So I'm looking at, I don't know, two, four, two to four years till this animal might adjust enough to want to reproduce in our conditions over here. So, um, yeah, it's taken a, that's, that's kind of how my, my thought process on things is like, okay, how much do I want to commit to this Yeah, and, um, and do it in the right way, you know, get the setup beforehand. Uh, and so I guess, that's what I'm going to try to do. That's the plan as of right now, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If, if graze monitors become available in the U S I'm dropping everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, is there anything you want to toss out there? Uh, website, social media, anything else you want to try to give out there for everybody to find you? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Facebook on Origins Reptiles. It's Origins with an S and just reptile. And then on Instagram, uh, Origins underscore reptile. Um, try to, if you go on to just my like my name, Alan Stevens, I have a separate like IG and Facebook for that. I usually don't add people from the reptile world. It's just like I try to keep it a little because my kid, I posting pictures of my kids and stuff and, i've tried uh, so hard but it just keeps flowing <laughs> over <laughs> so i'm like no go to rogue go over right. there right uh, yeah so don't be offended if i don't add you on that one because i'll add you in a second to the other ones um and then of course the monitor keeping podcast which is under the npr umbrella uh, which thank you guys for and um, you get it i was just here yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, you know, the podcast from what I know is going great. Eric, you, I guess you see the numbers and things and yeah, have yeah. more info, but yeah, yeah. it seems like oh, we're yeah. getting some, some good responses. And at, um, at our last meeting, he was like, look where Alan is. And this is where you are in the popularity. Do you see <laughs> oh, this? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wasn't even at the meeting. I didn't even. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're, they're basically just, just, just dressed out meetings for me. Oh. I, I mean, oh, I yeah. figured that out. Yeah. The, ex- the executive yeah. meetings. The executive <laughs> meetings where I just get yelled at for 20 minutes straight. Yeah. What yeah. Are you doing? Oh. yeah. Oh, the responsibilities of the right hand man. Just oh, yeah. about it, it that it, way. Listen, That's... it's so hard. Uh, None of y'all understand the shit I have to deal with. That's uh, true. That's true. So um that's where you can find us. Please, you know, listen to the podcast if you're interested in monitors. And for everybody to understand, me and Kai, we're just 
we're still fumbling through some of this. We're not experts on any level. Um, so we're, we're trying to, to just bring a central place where people could come together with their thoughts, both experienced keepers and new keepers. And we're just trying to soak up the information we learn from what's going on out there. And then we're trying to redistribute it to people so that, you know, there's a, there's a good spot for monitor keeping information. So please don't think that we, we walk around thinking we're experts, you know, we're, we're high-fiving each other just because we got one good egg out of a 14-egg clutch, you know? We're like, yeah! You just need one. You just yeah. need one. Yeah. I hope I don't kill it. So. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, cool. keeping the animals, is, it's been a lot of fun coming back to it a little later in life. So. Heck, yeah. Very cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just do our little closeout real quick, and then, uh, yeah, we'll end it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't keep, but yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, sorry. Yep. I saw. I yep. don't keep uh, monitors, but loving it. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, MoreyPythonRadio.com is the website, and yes. if you want to get in touch with us, info at MoreyPythonRadio.com. Um, yes. And check out all the podcasts under the NPR network. Uh, as far as uh, how, how can you uh, help the show? Uh, I would just start. If you don't want to do anything, just share it and listen. You know, listen to the other shows and share them around. And but if you want to more do people things. listen to it, <laughs> um, you know, we have a swag store. If you're yeah. interested in, in some some of that kind of stuff, uh, Teespring, uh, Murray Python Radio and NPR Network, I guess I should say. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we do uh, various things uh, to sort of uh, support the show. Um, and we do from time to time these live uh, uh, YouTube uh shows uh and all the podcasts uh come to the show um as well as carpets and coffee are here so uh i would say uh like and subscribe over here uh, mm -hmm. at the npr network youtube channel um yeah uh that's pretty much pretty, pretty much, much it, all right? i got yeah uh, the patreon you should go and if you want to do more <laughs> you should subscribe well, to the patreon and yeah can... we do uh we do once a month uh there it is live stream to, yep. uh, I don't know. I feel weird always. Shut up and plug thing. the things. <laughs> plug the know, things. You thing. want you want to go to Australia or not? Plug the yeah. things. Well, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a whole mm, different thing. Uh, but. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, yeah, so to go join the Patreon. If you join the inland level, you can get in on those monthly live streams, which is me, Eric, Riley, and Lucas discussing whatever topics you want to bring up. It usually devolves into chaos and shouting of about three hours. So, <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else, Eric? Negative. All right. So for me, it's rogue-reptiles.com. Go check that out. And I will be at the next Oaks show vending, which is weird, Ooh. right? I've done that all for freaking ever. So Ooh, go check right. that out. Um, also, I'm taking pictures of the babies. I was going to do it today. I forgot this was happening. So I will do it tomorrow. Exactly. So um, <laughs> I'm on top of things you can tell. So, um, you know, there is a calendar app. Shut up. Shut app, up. Uh... Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, you do have like a calendar in like the NPR email that I've never opened, yeah. but yeah, it's fine. But, uh, so new babies will be coming up and, uh, soon and, uh, yeah, check out anything else at rogue reptiles on Facebook or rogue underscore reptiles on Instagram. That's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll say thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you all next week for some more rally of Python radio. Good night.